welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the anime everyman, the guy who doesn't really know what he's watching. It's Malcolm McLeod. Uh, yeah, so for those just joining in, each week I select an anime series for Malcolm to watch and a number of episodes that best showcase that series' strength. And last week's anime was Pokemon Journeys. Malcolm, how was it? I, I think it was interesting. Um, I think I got a real kick of uh, Kyle kind of knowing more than I did. Like, there's stuff I remembered from it, like, just from the world of Pokemon, but there's also a lot that was new. And I have a lot of questions as to, like, Go's gender uh, and what they were going for there. But it was fun. It's it's a fun, and it's not depressing. And we've watched some pretty depressing stuff. Yeah, I I felt you enjoyed it more than I expected. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be a kid show. Malcolm's not going to know what to say it's just gonna it's not gonna be that fun a conversation but no there were there are a lot again it, it's a kid show it was fun there's a lot of wacky stuff we we poked fun at the plot holes or, or world holes as adults but you know it was def- definitely an enjoyable discussion i felt yeah i mean i think that's the one thing you have to remind yourself was it's like this is for kids like this is so like we you know it's a it's a simpler storytelling and sometimes it's nice to do that i've yeah. just uh finished a binge of the leftovers and that's a very complex story that leaves you very depressed so it was nice to do something light and fun i i I do want to see i mean you know we watched we watched you know what we watched today and um i do want to see the pokemon take on the leftovers um i think we're due for that (laughs) (laughs) yes give give damon lindelof a pokemon series uh that would be the most existential just like what Pokemon questioning their existence. But, but this material we're covering today has, has a fair amount of existential questions, I feel. Um, yeah, so for those, and, and one thing before I forget, um, for the, just some housekeeping, Kyle Bottom did mention that he heard the Pokemon creator Satoshi Tajiri was autistic. And I kind of waffled on that answer because I wasn't sure, but I can confirm after doing some more research, yeah, he, he does indeed have autism. So, so good for him for, you know, still, you know, I mean, again, he, he's, he's at least in his 40s and 50s, so... The fact that, you know, he was still able to, you know, work at a game company and create, you know, one of the most important media franchises of our, of our generation. <laughs> yeah, uh, very impressive. Yeah, he's a very accomplished man and, uh, you know, nothing can stop you if you have a vision, so. Exactly. And uh, this week's episode, again, is Pokemon. <laughs> uh, so in case you didn't listen to last week's episode, this is part two of our Pokemon franchise trilogy and uh, yeah, we're covering a live action movie this time, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Uh, now, if you're familiar at all with the Pokemon series, you know that Detective Pikachu was far from the first Pokemon movie to hit theaters. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the very first Pokemon movie, Malcolm, but I'm sure you were aware of it. I feel like I am uh, was aware of it. I may have watched it. I don't remember anything about it um, other than that it exists. Fair enough. Um, yeah, Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. There's a lot of wacky titles. <laughs> don't, don't get, man, we're, we're going to get into some wacky titles just for a couple of these movies, man. They, they threatened audiences, that's what critics said, because they called it Pokemon, the first movie. <laughs> Wait, that was a threat? <laughs> like, well, we're going to make more? That's what critics joked about in, you know, the ni- in the 1990s when it came out. They're like, oh my god, they're threatening. They're not saying this is just the Pokemon movie. They're saying it's the first one, implying that there's more. Um, yeah well uh, there should be i mean it's a very popular franchise it'd be like you could in theory uh you know do a batman film and be like batman the first and it'd be like oh they're gonna do a trilogy and that's no one's gonna stop them you know the cartoon doug i know i know doug had a movie called doug's first movie and guess what there wasn't a second one 
Yeah, wasn't what was the other one? Oh, Bonsai Buckaroo has like they tease a sequel, uh, Electric Boogaloo, and uh, that sequel never uh, never exists. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of Pokemon movies. Malcolm, how many Pokemon movies, not including this one, do you think there are? Uh, given oh. the fact that the franchise uh, started in 1996, the anime started in 1997. How many animated Pokemon movies do you think there are? Oh man, I I feel like there's at least three. But it, I feel like that's going a little low. I'm going to say nine. I'm going to just, I'm throwing. 24. 24? Oh, my God. <laughs> I told you, it's a 25 There's more. So that implies that there's more, mo- like, they do multiple movies a year. They do one a year. And, yeah, the franchise debuted in 1996. But because oh, yeah. it was a bit late, they, you know. So, yeah. Uh, 24. 24 of them. Um, so, yeah, Mewtwo Strikes Back. It came out in the West in uh, 1999. It grossed 172 million worldwide, which is not bad at all for for 1999 dollars, and especially you know a cartoon movie that isn't Disney. No, I mean that's like a that's a big win. Yeah, and subsequently, Pokemon the movie 2000 and Pokemon 3 the movie uh, came out theatrically. Uh, these first three were distributed by Warner Brothers, uh, and then there was Pokemon Forever. Uh, which did come out theatrically, and I have a memory of it, which is dragging my mom to see it because, again, I was one of those one of those kids who I forget how old I must have been, you know, ten or eleven. I was still into Pokemon. I was too old for it. Dragged my mom to Tinseltown Theater, and uh, there was barely anyone at that uh, opening screening. Uh, Pokemon Forever was kind of the the first decline of the franchise. Um, it barely grossed a million dollars in North America. Oh wow! It, in, it was like seven hundred thousand dollars. That's like, that's not very good for like a franchise as prominent as Pokemon. No, and, and Pokemon 2003, they didn't have as, they didn't have nearly the box office as, um, you know, po- Pokemon the first movie. But again, they, they were cheaply made animated movies. Again, the budget from Mewtwo Strikes Back was only like 5 million. So. Oh, yeah. So it's like, basically should have been like straight to DVD. Yeah. Would, but they were like, well, just make it a theatrical release instead. And everyone saw through it. Certainly it paid off the first three times. Um, and yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, Pokemon movies would still get theatrical releases in Japan, but they were banished to direct to DVD or, you know, direct to, to television, you know, debuting on Cartoon Network or something. Um, but yeah, while Pokemon Forever marked the end of those releases, yeah, there, there were far more, 24 of them, 24 of them total. Um, and the 23rd, or no, is it 23rd or 24th? I, I, I might you said 24. I said 24. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to correct myself. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. Um, it just got an English name. In my notes, I say it does not have an English name, but it just got one today as of when we're recording. Um, it's called Pokemon. Uh, it's called Pokemon the movie Secrets of the Jungle. Uh, yeah, so it just got a name as of this recording. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I don't it, even I don't even know where to begin with the title "Secrets <laughs> of the Jungle." Um, so here's the thing. Here's where it gets confusing. The last four movies take place in kind of their own continuity. Two of them, the first two, are their own continuity. Then the third one, the th- second last, I guess, that one is just a remake of Mewtwo Strikes Back, but in CGI. And then, um, yeah, Pokemon. Oh, are they now CGI movies instead Pokemon, of like two D? Only one of them, yeah. So they did, it's called Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. Uh, it's the only C- fully CGI Pokemon movie. Um, it's just a remake of the first one. It's got the exact same script. It has the updated voice actors, at least for the, uh, for the North American release. Uh, I watched it. I didn't like it as much as the original because, again, I prefer that 2D animation look. I think uh, 
I get that people like 3D. I think studios just use it because it's cheaper, honestly, than 2D at this point. Um, so yeah, I, pre I prefer the original Mewtwo Strikes Back. Um, but yeah, these last couple movies have taken place in their own kind of continuity, separate from the anime. It's still Ash, but none of his none of his newer friends have a uh, had the luxury of making uh, their film debut. Unfortunately, Go has been banished to the TV realm. Um, yeah, so while animated movies are one thing, the crown jewel of any franchise is to have a live action movie adaptation. And I think for a lot of Pokemon fans, they were they were pretty much fine with that one. There have been plenty of funny YouTube parodies of live action Pokemon movies because the franchise it seems. Pretty damn difficult to adapt, especially considering the spotty track record of uh, game adaptations to begin with. Uh, look at Uncharted. Uh, it looks like it's coming out. It's filming. Um, but yet, Sony has somehow struggled to make a, a movie that has a pretty easy blueprint on film to begin with, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, Uncharted is just essentially a modern Indiana Jones. Like, it's not, it doesn't have, like, this, like, oh, my God, the storytelling's so complex. And yet they were like, we don't know who, is Tom Holland too young to be the lead? Well, we'll find out, even though Nathan Drake is established as a middle-aged man. I mean, to be fair, though, in Uncharted 3, they had that flashback. I think the flashback of young Nathan Drake was when they were like, oh, maybe we could do a young Nathan Drake. Because originally yeah. Mark Wahlberg was going to play Nathan Drake, and now he's old enough to play Sully. Uh, yeah, that's the thing where it's like, you're almost in this world. We're now talking about Uncharted, but I'm like, you could, Mark Wahlberg, even though he's committed hate crimes, he, and is convicted of it, so it's not slander. Um, he could just be Nathan Drake. Like, he's just, he's of that, like, age range. But I guess. Though. He doesn't have the voice, because Nathan Drake isn't from Boston. He's, you know. He's, he's, he's Nolan North, um, but I like Tom Holland. I'm, I'm down to see Tom Holland do Indiana Jones. I think, I think it'll be good. It'll be good. I think it'll be, f I, I guess the thing is, is we almost wanted Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. to be Nathan and Sully. Oh, I think man, that would have been a good Sully. Yeah, he, he could have captured the Sully. So now you're like, oh, I guess we're going with Mark Wahlberg, the poor man's Robert uh, Downey Jr. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, Sully kind of has a somewhat, I mean, no, no one has a Marky Mark accent, but you know, I, I saw the set photos of him showing off the stash, so at least he did that. Um, Malcolm, do you remember the last Nintendo franchise to get a live action film? Um, I actually, would it, is it gonna, I have no idea, the only guess I can make is like, I know Mario and Luigi had. You are correct, you are correct. That's, that's correct, that, that monstrosity correct. is the last live action Nintendo movie it's, that's crazy it's the last one and there's a reason why it was the last one uh nintendo did because uh it was a massive flop and it's a weird weird movie yeah it came out in 1993 i'll i'll argue that movie is very watchable it's so weird it's like you take the like you know delightful fantasy world of mario i mean honestly a mario movie should be a cartoon uh in fact illumination is making a, a mario cartoon movie which which seems far more fitting but yeah why Again, it's this 1993 adaptation where they took Mario and they're like, let's turn it into Blade Runner. Yeah, that one's crazy. Also, like the idea of Bob Hoskins and John Lug uh, was it Lugazamo Lugazamo being brothers. Lug yeah, being brothers with, with which are like, you've got uh, a Latino man and the most British man, and they're going to be brothers who are supposed to look identical and, on and some Lugazamo level. Lugazamo is, is not even sporting a mustache. Yeah, and then you have Dennis Hopper's Co uh, Koopa. Or Cooper, or, or more like Donald Trump, straight up. He's just playing Donald Trump. Uh. Yeah, it's, yeah, I've seen it. I, 
I'm a fan of it in I, terms of the idea of like, just like how bad it is. <laughs> like, it's bad, but it's also impressive. It's not a boring movie. It's, it's, it's a movie that, again, and it also is from like the co-creators of like Max Headroom. Like there's just so many weird, it's a weird movie. We could do an entire podcast about that one, but it, it's nowhere close to anime. Uh, unlike Pokemon, because again, Pokemon, it is a video game, but, but certainly the anime is obviously one of the blueprints of uh, its pop culture footprint effect- effectively. So yeah, that, that's why I picked this. It's like, is it a live action movie? Sure. And is it technically an adaptation of a video game? But it's also a video game that's very Japanese and has a very, very specific anime style. Um, so yeah, the, the makings of this movie of Pokemon Detective Pikachu uh, come in 2015. And it was while they were making two Pokemon Go commercials, which featured CGI Pokemon and real human actors. And that's when the folks at the Pokemon Company International began to believe the world was ready for a live action Pokemon feature. And Pokemon Go, it came out in, t- in the summer of 2016. That game completely reignited Pokemon's popularity. I mean, Pokemon had still been a million seller, you know, tens of millions of sellers, even while the franchise was kind of in a wane. But if, if you have the two, if you're, if you're going to kind of break it up into two eras, there's the era when Pokemon debuts. And then when Pokemon Go comes out, I feel. Yeah. Well, I just remember, like, I never really, I never used Pokemon Go, but I, I do. Uh, I mean, I played it, like, I guess uh, w- once or twice just because, like, other pe- I was peer pressured into it almost. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, but I remember, like, where I live, I live near, uh, I think it would have been, like, uh, was it a Pokey Battle Zone? I don't know. I don't know. I'm the gym, yeah, I was near gym, so I look go out, I go out on my balcony, and I just see like a crowd of people all like at the gym, just like <laughs> fighting it out. I think, and that ha- went on for months. Like I'm talking like f- at least four months, like a whole summer. Yeah, I mean, Pokemon Go again. It, it came out in 2016. It, it's just uh, as of this recording, it's it's November um, 2020. And yeah, Pokemon Go has been going strong. I mean, that game has generated, at the latest numbers I saw, it's generated like $5 billion in income, which is that's, insane. It's also a game you really don't need to spend money on. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even know how you spend money on it. Um, they, they have found ways. Now they do events where you need like special tickets that you pay 10 bucks for. I, I don't do any of that stuff. Um, again, I'm, I'm a mainline Pokemon guy. I play Pokemon Go on my phone when I feel like it. I have noticed it's really easy to obtain shiny Pokemon, which are rare, different colored Pokemon in Pokemon Go compared to the main game. So that's kind of why I like it. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm a main mainline guy. I, I, I even trashed the gameplay last week. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. So anyways, while the idea of a Pokemon movie sounds great on paper, at least financially, given the explosion in popularity, why make a movie about a Pikachu who talks and is a detective? Um, Malcolm... Are you, are you aware of the source material that Pokemon Detective Pikachu is based on? Are you aware that there is any source material, specific source material that this movie is based on? I, first of all, I have no idea. Like, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, they're doing a Pokemon movie. That makes sense. And then when it's like, oh, it's Detective Pikachu as voiced by Ryan Reynolds. I was like, I don't understand. I don't I get who this is for. Like, I don't know where this came from. This feels like a very niche idea that was like, 
you know how like in comics like especially like dc and marvel comics i'll be like a one shot where it's like oh this weird thing happens and like and then never it's like never addressed it's never explained and it just sort of lives on as the one shot that's what it feels like this half something happened where they're there was a one shot and then someone at a movie, uh, some executive at a movie studio was like, that's our movie. It's like what it would be like a 20 page story. So here's the thing. The executives, the movie executives uh, had no interest in Detective Pikachu. They wanted a regular Pokemon movie. It was the Pokemon company who was insistent. Um, So Detective Pikachu, it it is an existing Nintendo game that came out on the Nintendo 3DS. Uh, but it wouldn't come out in North America until 2018, two years after the movie was announced. Uh, that's came- so stupid. That's just like what I'm just. That's so Here's stupid. The that, the that the, first of all, that the studio backed down to the company, being like, we, "We'll do your Pokemon movie." And they're like, "If it's only if it's Detective Pikachu." Like that's crazy. Um, so, anyways, uh, there is a Detective Pikachu video game. It came out in February of 2016 in Japan, and it has a ton of dialogue. It's a it's kind of like a point-and-click adventure game, like a LucasArts game, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it features the same basic story, although ironically, um, the video game ends on a cliffhanger and does not tell the entire story. The, the, movie, the movie tells the entire story, um, which is weird because they've already announced a Detective Pikachu 2 for the Nintendo Switch, but it's like, we already know the central mysteries. As, as we'll get into in this podcast, we already know the identity of this Detective Pikachu. We know the mystery of of R and all these other plot points, um, why not? Why why do you feel the the need to conclude the story in a video game still when the movie has already done its job? Yeah, there's actually, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But then I guess that they're not going for that. Like uh, in terms of unless there's like no the the plot in the movie gonna try to find similar. a different the plot in the movie is quite similar. At least the the blueprints even features a similar Pokemon roster initially, at least. But here's why they picked it. Here's why. The folks at the Pokemon company felt the buddy relationship between lead human Tim Goodman and his father's Pikachu would be endearing to audiences. The fact that this Pikachu also talks would be a gateway for newcomers into the world of Pokemon. Um, Yeah, now the question is, why make a mystery movie send the world of Pokemon rather than a more conventional story about a Pokemon trainer trying to be the very best like no one ever was? Uh, well, the first answer I can give is because the Pokemon company was simply stubborn. Like I said, uh, they insisted on it. Um, our boy, Max Landis, we, we love him. Oh, he, fuck him. <laughs> he, he claims he pitched an Amblin style, that, this is, these are his words, Amblin style Pokemon movie that was true to the games. But also this is Max Landis, so he was likely lying. Uh, just like he lied about saying how he, he was offered Star Wars uh, when he clearly was not. I'm sure he pitched it. Uh, he was not offered it. I've got issues with the, the Star Wars sequels. I'm glad Max Landis was not involved, though. Oh, man. No, that would have been uh, just a nightmare. Remember, Bright is his Star Wars. That's an actual quote he gave, and that's another reason to slam him. So, so here's the other more creatively more creatively driven reason. It's that the mystery story fits better as a movie rather than trying to condense a sprawling Pokemon journey into an hour and 45 minutes. And after watching this movie a third time, I've, I had seen it twice throughout, uh, I actually mostly agree. I have my own take on a Pokemon movie. I'll talk about that way later. But certainly just taking a mainline Pokemon game and condensing it into a film probably would have been a tall order. Well, I think anytime, like, the truth is, is unless you're doing, like, a smaller game, I feel like video games now should be, like, if they want to adapt it into, you know, something that's live action, 
they should be TV shows. Like a video, like I think what The Witcher's doing is really like a great idea. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whereas I'm like way more concerned about like Uncharted. <laughs> like I think it's like, oh, you're just going to condense this and it's going to be like, oh, it's lacking. It's yeah, because the video game is a more immersive experience. And I mean, I mean, to be fair, TV has served Pokemon well. There is a TV show that has aired 1,100 episodes. That's true. It is. It is clearly served the Pokemon, and that's also their thing. They they were just like they were. I kind of like their reasoning. They're just like you know what? We already have we already have the Pokemon journey story. It's been told, um, and it's yeah, it's served them well financially. So is there really a reason to do just let's just do this but bigger? Um, so anyways, I mean, I think it's the hard part is that because it's never been done before, like as a big live action spectacular event, you sort of feel like oh you kind of feel a little bit robbed. That's how I felt. And I, I can get into it later, but I was just yeah, like, oh. Yeah, I've got my own this, ideas. You um, know, and uh, yeah, I guess we, we're, we're probably going to end up pitching our own Pokemon uh, <laughs> movies Oh my at God, some you're going to pitch your own Pokemon movie? I can't wait for your take. Uh, yeah, we definitely got to do that. So anyways, uh, a couple, couple more housekeeping things. The film was officially announced by Legendary Pictures in July 2016. Um, it was also like co-distributed by Warner Brothers. Um, Rob Letterman of Goosebumps and Monsters vs. Aliens fame was hired in November of 2016. There's four screenwriters on this movie, uh, four credited ones. Dan Hernandez with his co-writer Benji Samet, Rob Letterman also directed it, and Derek Connolly with story by credits given to Dan, Benji, and Guardians of the Galaxy 1 writer Nicole Perlman. Uh, I listened to the, um, the Blank Shed podcast with the two writers, Dan and Benji, they say Nicole didn't contribute, not much of Nicole's draft exists, um, but you know how these kind of fights go with the WGA and stuff. Uh, no, no one ever wants to admit that anyone did more work than, than their own team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, you know, they were, you know, that's like the hard part about being a screenwriter, especially on blockbusters, is that they like replace you so quickly. Like they go like, and yet they'll just like use a good quarter. Like I've seen... I've, I've heard I like listen to podcasts and read stories of like writers where they're like yeah he gets a co-writing position even though I wrote most of the story the guy just changed all the character names like that's one thing that happens is like one of the easiest changes to do is just to change the name so like Tom could now become Tim and that would be like considered a big change yeah you know it's very minuscule I mean, James Gunn is a very nice person, but even when you bring up, even when people bring up Nicole Perlman with him, he gets pretty, pretty frustrated. Um, and I'm not sure if it, if it's the truth or if it's just him trying to preserve his own credits or stuff. It's a complicated thing. I don't think I, I don't side with anyone. I'm just like, you know what? I wasn't in the room. I haven't read the drafts. I don't know. Um, here's the other two uh, people involved, and, and I hyped Mike and I hyped uh, Malcolm up about this uh, yesterday. Eric Pearson, I have no idea uh, who he is. Uh, he provided revisions as well as Academy Award winning writer and director of Spotlight, Tom McCarthy. He provided uncredited revisions on this movie. That's, um, I mean, I'm, that's so wild. Like, Tom McCarthy has one of the weirdest careers. Like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if you've, like, looked at what he's done, but it, he's obviously, like, he won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for spotlight but he's also as an actor he was in 2012 like he's like he's like he's, wire. he's in the worst season of the wire he's in the final one he plays like the main antagonist or something yeah he also uh just as a fun fact he directed the original 
unaired pilot for Game of Thrones. Oh, that was, was considered so bad that they had to like reshoot it. And it all worked out for Game of Thrones. There were, there were zero issues with quality with Game of Thrones. It also kind of honestly worked out for Tom McCarley because then he ended up doing Spotlight not too long afterwards. And, and, he, got, and he got credit, uncredited money on um, Detective Pikachu. And he also did like a Disney Plus movie called Timmy Failure that employed a bunch of Vancouver actors. I know that. So, you know, he's, he's, he's collecting his paychecks. He got his Oscar and now he's gained his money. Oh, weird. I, I didn't even know that movie existed. I just looked yeah, it up I, now I, as we're I talking. Nothing, I know he, nothing about it. He also did that Adam Sandler film, The Cobbler, where Adam Sandler famously plays a cobbler. Is he a good director or and a good director? I don't know. I'm actually I like... I think this is a guy who's very lucky. Like, he's like... Some of the stuff that uh, he's like a part of, you're like, wait a minute. Why does like he did the station agent? I remember that, and that was his. A nice little indie movie. I like it. It's got Bobby was... and Peter Dinklage. So yeah, I feel like that was Peter Dinklage's. Uh, yeah, it was his like breakout breakout role, uh, <laughs> which then we can connect it to. That's probably why he got the Game of Thrones pilot. Exactly. I was just gonna say that. Uh, definitely helped. full circle. Anyways, that's crazy. Like, I mean, I understand like you know certain like a list people will go in and like you'll be like oh i didn't realize charlie kaufman provided like you know rewrites on such and such franchise but it's always surprising when it's Um, announced and also you can tell this movie is i know we've just been on this big tangent this movie is written by like 15 different people because it's tonally all over the map Uh, see see this is the thing i came away i were kind of jumping ahead i came away feeling more positive about this movie watching it the third time than i did any other viewing um, but just some more housekeeping. Uh, we're almost done. I just got one paragraph left. Uh, we all know Ryan Reynolds. He was cast as the voice of Pikachu, but Dwayne Johnson, Mark Wahlberg, and Hugh Jackman were also considered for the role. I know a lot of people wanted Danny DeVito. I'm not sure if the Pokemon Company and Warner Brothers and Legendary or whatever actually considered him. Uh, there were some very funny memes, though, with uh, putting Danny DeVito's uh, Always Sunny lines on, on Pikachu. I mean, again, Mark, I mean, Ryan Reynolds, I'm not, yeah. I don't know. I, you know what? I think Hugh Jackman would have been good for this. I think Hugh Jackman would have been game. I think he would have done more of a character. That's my take. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this, like for Ryan Reynolds, he's kind of just phoning it in. Like, there's this Deadpool. element of, like... He's doing, he's doing baby Deadpool. Yeah, like, this is baby Deadpool. Like, I mean, I get he's got kids, so it's, like, kind of a good way of, like, oh, I can do a kids movie. I get to kind of headline a blockbuster without ever having to... Well, except for the end. He only has to be on set for, like, a day. <laughs> and um you know uh, and all that fun stuff but at the same time i'm like i don't know like and except for the ending i mean danny devito would have been fine uh even <laughs> if he was just like a like a like they could have had a sequence where his voice changes up and you could have had like a yeah. fun comedic moment where like danny devito's like you know ha- is the voice for like a scene i think hugh jackman would have been the one who, who would have done the most acting i mean Dwayne. i mean listen i love the rock he's not an actor unless he unless like one you know unless like be cool or something but otherwise the rock would have done his thing same with marky mark uh i think hugh jackman would have been the one to actually give a performance as pikachu in this one. Oh yeah i think you would like some of the more emotional moments would have played better with uh I think his voice just also isn't as like iconic or something. And again, you know, he is an Australian doing an American. So that's how I feel. Um, and yeah, also a couple different. I'm not, I'm not convinced any of the actors were that great of a fit. Like, I think you could have, I feel like almost like a Nolan North or someone like an actual legitimately like a list voice actor 
may have been a better choice in the long Yeah, they, you know, you wanted a celeb because there's, there's not really any headliners in the rest of the human cast of this film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Rob Delaney, he had filmed a role as a co-worker of the lead, Tim Goodman, at his insurance company, uh, but his scene was cut, which is a real bummer. I would have loved to see uh, Rob Delaney in this movie. Hell, even Rob Delaney would have been a great choice for Pikachu. Fo- yeah. for- you know, John Mulaney would have been a good Pikachu, but, you know, he, he obviously went to, to, to voice a much better movie in Spider-Verse. Yeah, that's true. And also Rob Delaney is, uh, he's very good in uh, his part in Deadpool too. He's very good. Um, anyways, I, I think now we can finally start talking about this. We, we've gone on like a 25-minute tangent just about the backstory and what-ifs about this. Um, this movie, I yeah, like I said, man, I actually came feeling better than I did any time I saw this. Uh, so when I first saw this movie, I saw it on the opening weekend. Um, I had told you before I dragged my mom to Pokemon Forever, and uh, I was going to see this movie with my best friend Maria, but then uh, her kid had a thing, so she had to drop out last second. So I actually did end up taking my mom to watch this movie again. Oh, fun. <laughs> just, like, just, like, uh, just like when you were a kid. You're like, Mom, we're going to see Pokemon. But at least the theater wasn't empty. This movie was a hit. Um, it did come out two weeks after Avengers Endgame, but it still made $430 million at the box office. Um, this is still, I believe it's still the highest grossing uh, video game-based movie ever made. And I'm sure and if you call it an anime too just for the sake of this podcast i'm sure it is as well maybe i mean i don't know how much attila battle angel grossed <laughs> yeah. but it can't it can't be yeah, more than an, that, was, that wasn't even based off an anime people liked it was some like garbage 90s shit that people forgot maybe we'll cover it um uh, i guess so and eh. uh, i don't want to give the alita army any any help i didn't like captain marvel that much either but alita is not a good movie <laughs> No, so so going back, yeah, this this movie was successful. I mean, when those trailers first came out, I was like, this is going to be a billion-dollar movie. But again, I think opening two weeks after Endgame was not good at all. Um, yeah, that's such a weird choice to make, being like, we'll be the first blockbuster after Endgame. It's like, no, but you want to be like, this should have been like a July movie. But yeah. then again, like, I'm going to be honest, like, this movie's very tonally all over the place. Like, it wants to be it kind of wants to like appeal to kids but then it's also trying to appeal to adults with the nostalgia of pokemon because there are sequences where you're like what i like this what kind of jokes are they trying to make right now and then there's other sequences where they're like oh they've just stopped trying to be funny like they were like because they realized at some point that justice smith is not a comedic actor I, you know, I actually like Justin Smith a lot. I think Justin Smith is is doing the best job in this movie. I really like him. Uh, oh, I'm not. I want to say that, like, uh, I think he's, like really I, good in this movie, actually. See, I I, I disagree with this. Yeah. I think Justin Smith is very miscast. <laughs> but I also don't believe he was given a chance because I think the writing is so schizophrenic mm-hmm. that, like. I don't. I don't think he knew how to play it because, like, there's some other people who are in this movie who are like giving like 110 percent camp. I'm talking about the woman who plays. Uh, yeah, let's get into her, uh, Catherine Newton, and I always get confused <clears throat> with uh, Catherine Langford because they look quite similar, and their Catherine names are both spelled the same, which is crazy considering how many ways you can spell Catherine. Catherine Langford did audition for this movie on top of it just to make it more confusing. Um, so yeah, let's start at the very beginning. We get this little prologue of Mewtwo um starting from starting from the strongest Pokemon we get this little prologue of, of Mewtwo he's in a containment thing as Mewtwo's are that's the fate of Mewtwo he's people he's a genetically created Pokemon and they're always trying to experiment on him his life sucks 
uh, and he breaks out and there's some explosions and stuff. Um, he like attacks a car, doesn't he, or something? There's like a car yeah. Well, the well, there's like a car that's driving away, and it's like being chased, and yeah, Mewtwo's in the sky, like following after it, and we're led to believe in that moment that uh, that Mewtwo has attacked the car. It flips over mm-hmm. and like off a bridge and like you know false you know the car is like destroyed and then pikachu and this uh an unseen man wink wink uh guess who it is Uh, get that part over with because i feel dude that this was the twist i saw coming the second oh i knew this twist immediately i was like (laughs) oh this is ryan reynolds ryan reynolds Reynolds is is tim goodman's missing father and he gets turned into a pikachu um yeah it's not it's i mean they they try to play it up in the end i don't want to jump around too much but again this twist was obvious from the second the movie was announced which also makes the fact that the game does not address does not solve this answer again the game came out you know uh quite a while earlier and ends on a cliffhanger before you find out that identity and it's like this is the most obvious this is clearly the kid's father yeah because it's like, oh, this is why he can like talk and like why he's talking with sign and stuff. And- yeah, like there's this element of like, oh yeah, um, and also like it just became so obvious. It's like, oh, why are you not showing the father's face in any sequence that like that you show the dad? It's like, oh, it's because it's Ryan Reynolds and they don't want to blow it. Uh, and it's not a good twist. Like it's one of these things where it's like it probably would have been more impactful if you saw like if Ryan Reynolds was like more in these these flashbacks yeah instead of being like but then again that's like a way of like knowing ryan reynolds only spent a day on set because like there's one the last scene um there's like two scenes where like one is like him uh what's it like he's kind of turning yeah like around like in the car crash that's when you see the face for the first time and then it's like the very end where it's like uh let's not get ahead ahead of it (laughs) oh oh i just wanted to say like it's just like you can tell like Ryan Reynolds was not the guy when you would see the flashback. Oh, like, it was, it was very obvious. Uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, I'm sure only children were surprised. Well, actually, no, my mom said she didn't expect it, but again, I don't, I don't think my mom was thinking Pokemon can turn into humans, which to be fair is a new plot point in the Pokemon universe, but also just Hollywood rules. Hollywood rules dictate if you don't see a body that's probably turned into a person because of magic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, then we cut to the, real like beginning of the movie um we see a bunch of pidgeot uh they're kind of the generic bird pokemon they're flying through the air it's a nice scene i again the the pokemon in this movie look great uh it's a really good cgi work in my opinion at least it's interesting seeing pokemon with textures as we talked about last week where you didn't think snorlax had fur it still weirds me out that snorlax has fur because i think as i've established i thought they were slimy like a seal or an otter yeah so a pidgeot it's a bird type i'm gonna be able to name all these pokemon of course uh, i'm 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 awaiting your descriptions of of some of the ones but yeah it's it's a nice like overhead shot of us just kind of kind of getting into the world and and this town is called leaving town because uh, he's leaving town and and all pokemon town names are puns can i just say that um jack like the character jack yeah, is his friend so i assumed that jack was gonna be like more involved in the movie he's just in that opening scene being like you're depressed <laughs> and then like yeah. <laughs> and then he says he's leaving town um jack is and the now, best like, character in this movie um i don't want to give away who our speed wagon is but uh just like this movie is very predictable i think the, i think listeners are going to be able to predict who my speed wagon is just by talking about this one scene yeah 
Well, his his name is Jack, obviously. Um, it made me smile as a poke as a man who loves Pokemon. It was it was great to see the first named character be named Jack. Um, Karin's uh, Sony plays him. He's hilarious. He is so good in this movie. Oh yeah, Karin Sony is one of those guys who just like has been popping up in everything lately. Like I just always like seeing like I just see him in random movies. And I'm always like, yeah, I'm glad he's here. Yeah, uh, he's, he's really good, and I like again we we get we get the. This scene is basically what you would expect a traditional Pokemon movie to be. It's uh, yeah, the, our main hero Tim Goodman and his friend Jack, who's kind of, kind of, kind of a dumb dumb, and they're you know gonna catch a Pokemon. It's just funny, like again, Karin, who again looks like the type, he looks like a Pokemon trainer, and it just looks kind of still awkward. Cause he oh yeah, like, in, like I don't know how old he is. I think he's trying to play like late teens, early twenties. I'm pretty sure he's far older than that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is like he, I. I feel like I've seen him in movies for the last like 10 years, like he, at least he's 31. He's 31. He's uh, 31. So yeah. Um, so yeah, he's like, he's older. Late 20s. Late 20s when this filmed. Yeah. When he filmed this, but still like, it's one of those things that's like very jarring. Cause he's also definitely older than justice Smith. <laughs> like you can kind of yeah. tell. And they're like, these are best friends and like, or they're not, I mean, they're friends because i wouldn't say best friends because uh jack doesn't show up after the opening scene and i kind of felt bad because i was like oh you get karna uh karen sony he's gonna show up later like because like again they have this line where it's like oh i'm leaving town too and i would just assume that they were gonna both end up in rhyme city and wow. nope no don't worry about it it the, all it's establishing is that uh Tim works as a, an ins- he's like a twenty-one-year-old insurance yeah. agent. And but he but Car uh, but Jack, his best friend, he really wants him to catch a Pokemon. He's like, bro, you need a Pokemon, and uh, that Pokemon is Cubone. Um, Cubone, he's uh, he's one of the original one fifty-one. Um, Malcolm, were you familiar at all with Cubone? I feel like Cubone's fairly popular. I feel Cubone. I- um, I recognized it on some level, but I like did not know the name. I was um, like. I just had like I was just like oh that's nice and Cubone does does show up later in the film like as um as Excellent. I don't want to spoil it um, uh, not who says it's an actual one but um, oh yeah yeah that uh, again we're we're jumping ahead uh, schizophrenic just like this movie's tone but no I I like this Cubone scene and and the way my mom described it was she was like if you know what I really like that first scene and sadly the movie was not the rest of that. It's true though. Like it's just like it has like it's all nice and like open air. They're in a field. It's sunny, and then the rest of the movie is in like some sort of Neo Tokyo, like <laughs> you know, just this weird like seedy city or like in a lab. Like everything gets really dark at a certain point. Yeah. Like, um. And hey, listen, the Pokemon world has a variety of tones. I'm fine with that. I I personally, yeah, I uh, I like the visuals of this movie actually, but um we're going to spend just so much on this one scene because again, it is the traditional Pokemon scene. And I just love how he's like, Oh, I don't think uh, Tim, you're a water type guy or a grass type guy. And he's like, you're, and Tim is like uh, lonely. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're lonely. Like Cubone. I laughed at that. Yeah. I guess like that's, that was, yeah, I guess kind of funny. funny. The lonely, the the joke about, you know, Tim being lonely, like Cubone. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Well, then the implication being like, Oh, he's an orphan. That's why he's lonely. That's what you thought. Well, no, no. I mean, I, not in the moment, but late, finding out later that like his mother's dead and uh, uh, his well, and his dad just disappeared. He's twenty one. He's not. You're not an orphan at twenty one. You're an no. Adult. You're not. But it's like then the dad's disappeared. Well, the, he has no 
real relationship with his dad for i'm gonna be honest reasons that don't make any sense like it's just it's like you know he's just like i refuse to go visit my dad it's like it's such a weird yeah that's reason. not quite clear anyways but uh yeah i do like the scene he 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 throws the pokeball again we get that moment you all the audiences wanted they were like what's what's it like when throwing a pokeball in live action it, it looks great the visuals are nice and uh you know he seemingly catches cubone but then uh Cubone pops out of his Pokeball. Also, number one rule of catching Pokemon, why doesn't Jack have his own Pokemon to weaken that Cubone? Because that's how you catch Pokemon. You weaken the Pokemon first. You don't just throw a ball. Yeah, well, Jack's, like, outside of, like... Like, Jack's the only character it really feels like, outside of Howard and his son, um, that, like, who is a Pokemon obsessive, who doesn't have, like, his own pokemon pal why why is he not helping his friend catch a pokemon he's like no you're just gonna throw a ball at an irritable at an irritable monster i don't care how tiny it is it's still listen man i know the catch rate of cubone he's not a guy you just throw one ball without doing damage to him man yeah and he's also like hiding behind a small mound like it's just like he's like hey you do it like don't like so is jack a good friend like i don't know jack sucks jack sucks Jack now jack sucks he's like i like this guy but he also oh he sucks uh a great performance uh he's a a bad friend he's not even helping his friend catch a pokemon he's just telling him to throw it and you know um yeah he pops out of his uh ball and then he chases uh tim again i I like the fact that they're, like, describing these Pokemon. Like, again, Tim is like, oh, yeah, listen, you, you look real good with uh, that skull of, skull of, you know, your loved one. Because, again, Pokemon has all these weird dark facts. And I think as we established last episode, that's part of their skin. They don't wear clothes. Yeah, that's the other Except thing. for Detective Pikachu, who's constantly wearing a little hat. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he, he fails at catching this. Uh, he fails at catching this Cubone. And then, yeah, he, he returns home and uh, finds out the news. Um, and yeah, we're just going to speed a little ahead. So, yeah, he, he finds out this news about his dad. He has to go to Rhyme City uh, to retrieve his father's belongings. Uh, he goes on this train. And, yeah, can, you, I, can I say that train where they just immediately, like, we have a special announcement. And then it's the history of um, Howard Clifford. Uh, was just like how annoying would that be if you were like on a train and then they would be like and now we're gonna give you the history of this random scientist like, well, like, like or be like it's like driving a tesla and being like hey uh now that you're at a red light we're gonna get, show you a video of uh the origins of elon musk <laughs> like that's what the that's what it is kind of you know what? it's an it's some necessary exposition and i'll say this i was expecting there to be pokemon exposition at the very beginning of the movie because this movie does not explain what Pokemon are at all. It really doesn't. No. They, they only kind of explain this idea of, like, um, that they just exist and that they, people kind of live together with Pokemon. But, like, um, like, fucking Aquaman, which is a bad movie, has, like, more backstory than this film. Again, the movie is just like, no, we get it. It's, it's a billion-dollar franchise. You know what Pokemon are. And I can appreciate that. And I mean, you know, it's not like we need to see Spider-Man's origin every, every, every time. But I feel like the fact that the movie doesn't even explain, like, listen, this is a world where, you know, people and these magical monsters exist. It doesn't, doesn't give you any of that. But what you do get is uh, Howard. Yeah, well, Howard, and, and they use, through How- Howard's introduction, they do kind of explain that Pokemon have been around. And I, and I like the implication of, like, there's Pokemon in the hieroglyphics and, like, yeah, that's you know, cool. That those are and being like, oh, they've been around this line, and then like now that Pokemon are like, you know, uh, are you know they're gonna be with the like, was it 
the uh, Bulbasaur, is that's their names? Uh, yeah, they're they with like the firefighters. Oh, no, squirrels. Squirrels are like firefighters, yes. Oh, see, that's how much I know. Um, I, can't, I don't even Bulbasaur know what... Bulbasaur uh, grass type, but Bulbasaur okay. is in this movie, though. I'll say that. Um, yeah, they do show up. That's, that's right. Yeah, squirrels are like, you know, doing the, uh, with the firefighters and all that fun stuff. Um, so yeah, I, again, the move, the movie expects you to know, there's less like, we get it, you know what Pokemon are. I do like the Lickitung. Lickitung is funny. I don't know why some random, some random Pokemon is just like allowed to just walk the aisles and lick people. Um, that seems weird. The, uh, the owner should be uh, reprimanded and, uh, no one seems to be bothered except Tim because he gets a good looking from uh, the Lickitung. Yeah, they, it just like stops there, licks him, and then he goes, "Hey, is there any uh, who's uh, who's uh, Pokemon is this?" And then smash cuts to the next scene. Yeah, um, there, there's so, the, I I think the CGI the CGI in this movie is good, but at the same time, sometimes there's just Pokemon there for the sake of it. Uh, there's there's a couple scenes where I feel it's almost inappropriate. It's like, why the hell are there Pokemon in this scene? Uh, they don't need to be. It's not like it's it's almost like they're ants. They you just can't get rid of them. It's like can't there be can't there be Pokemon-free zones in an office if they're if they're not warranted? Uh, you you don't bring your cat to every uh to everything, you know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I feel like this is one of those um, those instances where they were just like, yeah, they either Rob Letterman or someone, uh, some producer was just like, um, that's my, my son's favorite Pokemon, so I want like. I want a scene where he's in it. And then they just were like, all right, well, he's, he'll get licked on the train. We've already spent the money. We've already spent the money rendering these guys. We've got to use them. It's, it's already cost us this much money. You've got to put uh, this many in the scene. Uh, but that being said, I do think the concept of Rhyme City is really cool. And that's what the Pokemon company really liked. Um, they liked the idea of, yeah, this is a city where, where people don't even use Pokeballs. And actually, like the writers, uh, Dan and Benji, they said that was a real screenwriting problem for them because because of the rules of the city, they couldn't use Pokeballs as a solution for any problem. They couldn't just be like, okay, use a Pokeball to get rid of this monster. Uh, because yeah, the city, Pokemon yeah. walk with humans alike. Well, that's thing I've just realized like now, like after watching this, I was like, yeah, so part of the lore of Pokemon is just like using the Pokeballs and they use it once at the very beginning of the movie and never again. Yeah, and to be fair, that is the rules of this town, the, the, the rules of this city. So that does kind of make sense. Uh, but it's also, they're not taking advantage of one of the, the franchise's own creeds. Uh, th- again, this is, this is the... Like, gotta catch them all. And, and at this point, it's like, nope. no, we're gonna catch none. Uh, none. That's, that's another thing, too. Yeah, there, there's no catching. Um, so yeah, Tim, he, go, he goes to see um, the chief of police, another wasted character actor, Ken Watanabe, who gets nothing to do in this movie. Yeah, like that's like when you I saw him in the movie, I was like, oh, this is gonna be exciting. Like he's a great actor. He's but chief, much... of a, chief of a Pokemon police thing. Like that would make sense. That's cool. There's lots of we we see officers with the fire type dog um, Growlithe and his evolution Arcanine, um, but none of those Pokemon are really used at all in any story purposes. No, they're and I mean that's part of the disadvantages of having just you know essentially 100 minutes 90 minutes to tell this is that like of course they're only going to be like cameos but like this one it was just like he's as like you know i assume uh tim's father's boss or friend or confidant i don't really know i mean he's listed as detective but he acts like a chief detective Uh, hideo yoshida 
yeah it's just like oh why is he not assisting at any point like is it like he like you should be like hey you should come to me like i've got technology like instead it's just like um you know he's he's just kind of relegated to the sidelines he, um which is disappointing because yeah, he's, he's, he's a good actor um but he doesn't like help at all with the plot he's just kind of there um and you know he, he he gets fooled pretty quickly in the climax of the movie i do like the visual joke though of um you see his like placard and then his pokemon snubble so it's like wait is this pokemon the lieutenant or whatever uh i'm not sure if you picked up that joke I did see that. I thought that was kind of funny where yeah, I was like, oh, oh, in this world, like a Pokemon is a detective. Well, it, it, that is true. There is a Pokemon who is a detective, but it's not a Snubble. The, uh, no, it's po- Pikachu. Pikachu, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Ken Watanabe, uh, Detective Hideo, he gives Tim some words of encouragement and also kind of sets up Tim's arc. He's like, you know, you always used to, you wanted to be a Pokemon trainer when you were younger. And uh, this whole... Tim's whole arc, Tim is effectively the audience surrogate. And he's basically, and even the writers have said this, Tim is, it's like someone who like used to be into Star Wars and then they grow older and they're like, no, I don't like Star Wars. That's for babies. And they rediscover their love of Star Wars. And yeah, Tim is like that with Pokemon and and pretty much any other millennial uh, like me, someone who, you know, by the age of 13 would be bullied for saying I like Pokemon. Uh, You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's what his arc is. His, His Again, this is a very toyetic franchise. Tim learns to love the Pokemon franchise. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of makes sense because like Tim is a bit of an empty vessel uh, in terms of like a lot of things happen to him. Like he's never really doing much to get those things to happen to him. It's just sort of like, oh, and then this thing happens and that thing happens. It's like very like, yeah, um, he's along for the ride. He's uh, along for the ride. I, I like Justin Smith. I, I, I enjoyed his presence. Um, and then, yeah, he, he goes to, uh, is it his like apartment? Is it like his old, I guess it's his old. Yeah. Place. He goes to his dad's apartment. Cause he gets the keys yeah. and he's like, going to go clean it up. And like when he gets there to the apartment building, uh, he's initially like, uh, he spots a, um, a that Psyduck. Doc, a Psyduck. Is that what yeah, they're called? Psyduck. Yeah. The, he spots a Psyduck kind of staring at him and like, and then like wiggles away. And I was like, that character is going to be important. And it, it kind of is. Immediately. Um, uh, and- well, I knew because I was like, why have this scene where like, where like he keeps looking at this one Pokemon. There's all these other Pokemon sort of like scattered in the background. And it's, uh, and then yeah, he goes in, he goes to like check his dad's, um, uh, his mailbox. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, he looks at it. It's full of mail, but he obviously doesn't take it. And then he's immediately greeted by uh, Lucy Stevens, junior reporter. Yeah, uh, what is what is Catherine Newton doing in this movie? I wasn't sure if she's giving a terrible performance or if she's in on the joke and secretly giving a brilliant one. See, that's the thing. Like, that's why I'm like, I don't know if Justin Smith, Justice Smith, is in on this because, like, because Catherine playing this, playing this as real as you possibly could for this. Yeah, movie. T- yeah, he's playing it like he's in like a dramatic thriller of about a guy who's dealing with the loss of his father. Mm-hmm. And then Catherine Newton's playing it as if she was just cast in the movie Speed Racer and she's talking so quickly and yet the director has decided that like we'll just do both and we'll see this clashing vision come together. Because like I had to like rewatch a couple of her scenes because she just speeds through the dialogue like just so quickly. 
and she's also trying to play a femme fatale, but her character looks super young. I mean, I just looked her up. She she's 23 years old, so yeah, she was like you know 20 or whatever when this was shooting. But she looks even younger and stuff. And Catherine Newton's a good actress. She's in like *Halt and Catch Fire* and other other good things. Uh, she's in that new movie *Freaky*, which will be out by the time this uh, podcast comes. Like, she's good. Um, she's a good. She's been in a lot of great stuff. And that's the thing where it's like Justice Smith's been in good stuff. And Catherine Newton's been good stuff. And yet it was just like, and they also like are playing out that like Tim has this like crush on. Yeah, that, just, that doesn't work. And out. like, you can tell that there's absolutely no romantic uh, chemistry between Tim and Lucy. Like, it's just like, oh, like, like, it's just like a, it's like almost necessary friendship. And it's part of it is because Lucy doesn't have much to stand on besides like, I'm a reporter that's like an intern and I'm going to like get the the breaking story because that's what i need to do like she has no motives outside she doesn't know outside of like essentially becoming uh what i thought jack was going to be which is like this friend that need like to help out like that's the one thing it's like i think if they had just incorporated jack more into the movie like it would have helped uh in terms of balancing it i mean i know pikachu kind of acts in that role of like mm-hmm. you know oh that, how are you gonna talk that's how, you, how how sly of you to like you know, you know, flirt with uh, Lucy, but it's it doesn't play off as well. I don't think. Uh, I do like her joke about um, the fact that she's she's like, oh yeah, never, you know what? I make Pokemon listicles. Guess what? They're all cute. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I like that she, one. She is the comedic, like outside of Pikachu, she is the comedic uh, force of this movie. But the comedy is very sporadic, and it's it's uh, again not clear if it's trying to be a joke or not. Um, I do like again the joke about Pokemon listicles is funny. Because this this movie on the on the bright side of this movie, and again, I, I guess I'm more positive about it than you. This Pokemon world feel, feels more real than any Pokemon world I've seen in the games or in the anime. Like you just see constantly in the background Pokemon doing things that yeah they would do if they existed, like Charmanders cooking food. I mean, there's so many goddamn background gags in this movie. You'd have to you know flip through it a million times. You just see a lot of Pokemon just doing background things. Um, there's another movie I want to compare this to, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, because it definitely feels that way. Um, oh, that is kind of a good comparison in terms of like, like that's another one of these things where it's like sort of melding, you know, that you know two D world with the you know with the live action. Yeah, and it's um, like, yeah, this is the world where people interact with Pokemon, just like in Roger Rabbit, it's people interacting with tunes. I also think there's some other reveals later on that are very similar to some other reveals in Roger Rabbit. Uh, even yeah. visually. Which ironically enough stars Bob Hoskins, who <laughs> was Mario. And if he if and if he didn't uh die, uh maybe he could have voiced Pikachu as well. I although I guess he would have been too too old to play Tim No, No, he <laughs> would have been he would have been the uh, uh Howard Clifford role movie. Howard, Howard Howard Clifford. Um so yeah, he, he has this um confrontation of course with, with Lucy. And then he finally goes to his room. We see like there's a lot of sights um Easter eggs of like the legendary bird Pokemon and just like location names. Again, the other thing too, we only see one legendary Pokemon in this movie, but the idea that other legendary Pokemon exist in this world could really be addressed more. Uh, I'll get to it in a bit, but there's Mewtwo is powerful, but there's Pokemon that can control the elements and do a lot of crazy damage, um, which, which could be explored in another movie because as we said before, the Pokemon world is secretly terrifying. Yeah, well, I mean, I, w- I, I mean, oh, I'll, I'll wait till my pitch, but uh, I, there's two, kind of like two versions of Pokemon yeah. you can do. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I kind of get why they only really focused on uh, 
Mewtwo is because it's like, oh, in sequels, they can get to these other characters, and, right? And like, you don't want to blow your load on just, like, having them all in this one, and then this one becomes, like, too much of a success, and you're like, oh, no, what do we do next? What are we, what's Tim's adventure next? And I guess also Mewtwo is, like, one of the top three most iconic Pokemon. I mean, it probably goes Pikachu, Charizard, Mewtwo, so it makes sense that you want Mewtwo in this movie. Um, it was definitely, there were definitely some, there are some deep cut references, deep cut Pokemon. They're like, oh, that's cool. They put that one in, but they're certainly putting a lot of popular ones in this movie for, for sure. Um, so yeah, we finally get, we finally get the, uh, the, uh, the reunion we've been waiting for, uh, Pikachu and Tim. And of course, you know, as you probably saw in the trailers, uh, it plays out identically to that. He's like, wait, you can talk. Wait, you can hear me. Yeah, they just, they just, um, I, you know, blockbusters of this magnitude usually films extra scenes for the trailers. And I did see the trailers for these films. I'm shocked that they like had included so much footage from these movies into the trailers. Yeah. Like I was like, Oh, wait a minute. There's not all these fake scenes that they're putting in for the trailers. Nope. Like everything they shot is in this movie. It feels like. Sure. Um, ex- confrontation or not confrontation but you know what i mean them them finally meeting up plays pretty much beat for beat the way the trailer does they barely even cut it yeah like i wonder if like any of the uh if the director was upset that they're like come on like this is a great scene in the movie and it's like completely like you know spoiled in the yeah, trailer i'm sure he was happy considering the movie did find the box office and people seem to like oh it. yeah no i'm fine but i know uh i mean it's hard to say because i know some directors who are like you know want to keep certain stuff secret i was just listening to a podcast with jason bloom from uh bloom house oh, and he was talking about get out that uh when they were doing the trailer they were going to reveal uh, in the trailer, the uh, the turn Allison Williams being in on it. Oh, why would uh, that scene? And like Jordan Peele was just like, sure. It, like he was like, I don't want you to do this. And like it turned out, it was the best call. <laughs> so for sure, yeah. But that's an Oscar-winning movie, and this is Detective Pikachu. <laughs> this is Detective Pikachu. So yeah, they they have the the thing. Um, yeah, I guess we've already kind of been not kind to Ryan Reynolds' performance. I think he's fine, but you know, I I think. See, he- I think I liked his performance way more than you do. Okay, really? Eh? I think it's I think it's fine. It works, but again, it's nothing spectacular if you know what I mean. Yeah, like you're. I think it's interesting, like because you're you really are praising Justice Smith's performance, <laughs> sure. and I think I don't think he's very good in the movie. I think he was kind of miscast. Yeah. Um, whereas um, I felt like yeah, Ryan Reynolds. He was a fun. Like I think that's the thing. It's like I'm just a fan of Ryan Reynolds. He's not like I didn't like Six Underground because uh, yeah. that movie makes no sense when you watch it. You're like it's schizophrenic, and it, that that could be a whole other podcast. But uh, but for this one, I was just like I enjoyed Ryan Reynolds kind of being Ryan Reynolds. Like I think this wouldn't have been as fun if like if it was you know uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson mm-hmm. or Mark Wahlberg or even honestly like Hugh Jackman. I don't know. I, I mean, know, Hugh I get, Jackman I get hung up on Jackman. Who knows? Yeah, I I guess I'm not I'm not like the biggest Jackman stan, if you will. Like I just uh, uh, he's just not the guy that I'm like I don't I've not watched a lot of his films. Fair enough. Um, but um, and I don't know what if he's done much that's very funny. Like I I don't I can't recall like, him in a very comedic role. We do get to see some comedic stuff because yeah, uh, we so as they're having this kind of reunion or whatever, him meeting him meeting his father's Pikachu that's actually his dad. Spoiler alert: um, some some Apom, these monkeys called Apom, 
uh, break in, and they seem cute until they aren't, because uh, they get a whiff of the stuff called R, which makes them go a little wacky. Um, yeah, they- well, that was also crazy how the R is released, where he like where Tim just finds this like random capsule uh, and then opens it up, and it's like all this smoke, and like you're like, why did you open this? Like it's just like a random yeah, why thing. Why would you just like do cocaine like openly? Like because that's like, effectively what it is. <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, he has to, like, open his window to, like, get it out, and then all these monkeys uh, sniff yeah. it and then what, go What crazy. do you think of the monkeys? I like the apom. I think they were funny. Yeah, that was, like, a good sequence. Like, it was enjoyable. It was a, the good yeah, first it's one. First, it's our first action set piece in this movie, effectively. I think yeah, it- I like that, like, you know, obviously Pikachu and Tim, you know, they're running up the stairs, and I like. I thought it was kind of funny that – you know, Pikachu was just yelling like, help, oh God, he's got to, we need help. Oh my God, they took his belt. Like, you know, like that stuff was kind of fun. I, I like the fact that, like, a, that Pikachu wields a knife at one point briefly. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a funny set piece. And yeah, like, again, it's, it's the classic thing. Take something cute, but then give a horde of them and all of a sudden they're scary. Yeah, like, and that's like a good, like, that's like the the f- interesting part about this because like i don't r is not a thing that's ever has been in the pokemon universe it, it's outside ex- of this it's exclusive to the detective pikachu game in this movie yeah because i was also like why is it called r like they just call it r like for no reason and, like yeah, it's one of those things where they feel like they were gonna like we'll we'll come up with a cool name and then they just well, never did i thought it was gonna tie into team rocket uh, but team rocket is not present in this movie at all uh, see, that would have made a lot of sense. And, and, and like a lot of the choices in this movie, it does make a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, they, they have that. Uh, Tim loses his pants, uh, but he, he manages to, to escape the APOM. Uh, and they event- I guess the, the R doesn't really last long, though. They just kind of come out of their R, R rage on their own, effectively, right? Yeah, it's, it's, um, that's the thing where I'm like, was this for children or not? Because... It's like part of most of this plot is about like yes. drugging Pokemon and like having them be on like effectively speed. Like that's like what this is. Yeah. Uh, you know, like just like super uh, manic or meth maybe. I don't know. I've, I've never. Oh, done I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but like in terms of like, because I know well, I've, uh, with meth sometimes people get like you know almost invincible, where it's really hard to like you know, subdue someone on meth. Um, it's certainly hard to, to, to subdue monkeys because even in real life, monkeys are not good pets. Uh, if you wrong them, they will rip off your face. Oh, yeah. Okay. Monkeys terrify me. I don't understand why people have monkeys yeah. or, or, like, they're wild animals. Let them be free. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and so, yeah, they escape. And then uh, at a certain point, Tim losing his pants, he's, like, also, like, they he escapes in a garbage chute so he's like smells like trash now uh he's like grouch and uh he's like in the there's like a market right beside where his dad's apartment uh is and he's just screaming like they're coming they're gonna kill us and then like they had obviously been uh worn off of the r so they're just like these friendly uh, monkeys again and um uh, yeah and then like he's just ranting and raving he's like this pikachu can talk this pikachu can talk and like Obviously, uh, for everyone besides Tim, uh, Pikachu just you know does the Pika Pika thing. Um, I love that, and that's that is Iku Otani uh, providing the voice of Pikachu. She, she has had the easiest job for twenty four years. 
Do they oh does she have to like do they just keep the same sound clip going? Like is it like has she like finished and they just keep reusing it or it, it is described on Wikipedia as her reprising her role. So I, I think she's like Vin Diesel. I think she knows every Pika Pika and you know, she she knows Pikachu's language by heart. And uh yeah, she 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 collects a very easy paycheck. She's she's been doing this role for Pikachu ever since. Yeah, no, that's a yeah, that's like one of those jobs that you're like secretly every actor kind of wants. It's like her, yeah, her she does have other roles. She is she is oh like, oh no, I mean like in terms of like the grand scope, like yeah. it's you know it's kind of nice to be like go in be like Pika Pika or I am Groot and then like cash in a hundred thousand dollars or whatever. She, she's voiced plenty of other animated things in Japan. She, she's a regular voice on One Piece. Uh, so yeah, she's doing well, and she got to be in a Hollywood movie for this. Uh, every yeah. Week. So like, and but I like that like he when he's describing he's like yeah and I I had this gas and like he's like he's like ranting and raving as uh as he looks kind of like a junkie at that moment. Yeah, I, you know here's a, also I want to give a shout out to the score. Um, we're we're gonna go back a little bit. But this the Rhyme City main theme effectively the theme that you hear when you know he's he, the train is going to the city. I love that. It's like this very Blade Runner style um music. I think I think the score in this film is great. Honestly, I think it's got a good original one. Yeah. You, you oh yeah. I mean, I guess I for me, I think a sign of a good score is um, when it's almost when you like it kind of just flows right into the movie. Yeah. Like, I didn't. I almost didn't notice it. Like I think you pointing it out. Okay. Like, oh, yeah, it was good. Like it. Like it didn't like take me out of it. Yeah, because again, like uh, comparing it to Mario Brothers, which was also a movie riffing on Blade Runner, this film definitely does kind of riff on Blade Runner almost. Uh, again, it's got that Neo Tokyo feel to it. Uh, but again, I think that works for Pokemon. Pokemon is always this kind of quasi futuristic, quasi fantasy series. Uh, again, the movie's a little dirtier. But in the po- again, there's so many different takes on Pokemon that I actually wasn't bothered by it. Yeah, like I think. Like I, it's an intra. It, it feels like it's like an alternate universe. You're just like, oh, and again, like, I just, it's just so weird. I can't. It's like I'm kind of gobsmacked that it exists. But that this movie exists. It does, <laughs> and I think it pulls it off more than it doesn't. Um, but yeah, let, let's kind of move along before we get into uh, everything else. Uh, so what they go into the next scene? What they go into like um, a coffee bar, basically. Yeah, they go into a coffee bar because there's a running joke that Pikachu loves coffee. And I don't remember, does Pikachu normally drink coffee or is that a thing for this movie? Uh, I, I remember he was obsessed with ketchup once uh, in an episode. I don't know. I think it was, I think it was just kind of a funny joke. Um, I'll say this, shout out to, uh, to the, there's, there's a number of cameos in this coffee bar. We get a cameo from Jigglypuff because she's an icon. Of course, um, she just. Oh, that was funny! Like, uh, the like her singing into like the karaoke machine or whatever. Yeah, because uh, that's what Jigglypuff does. The move sing puts Pokemon to sleep as well as other people. Um, Jigglypuff was like a recurring character on the cartoon for for at least the first series, um, and I love I love like the bartender uh, who is Ludicolo. He's basically a pineapple with a sombrero, and he has a. a Duck lips. Duck lips. Ah. Do you not remember him? I mean, I guess you don't know. No, him. I remember. I remember him now. Like I guess I never would have thought of him as a pineapple with a sombrero. Ludicolo is one of my favorite Pokemon, and I was very happy that Ludicolo made it into this movie. Um, again, he, he doesn't have much of a role other than just being a, a coffee bartender. 
but he has just such a weird voice too. He's like, Ludicolo! <laughs> That's my Ludicolo impression. Because again, he's just a weird Pokemon. It has like, he has like the, he has a voice where it's almost like, kill me now. <laughs> it's like, I shouldn't exist. Yeah, it's like uh, when a, uh, was it Jigglyfish? What's it, what are they, or, or what I called last episode, King Koi. Oh, <laughs> um, Magikarp? Yeah, Magikarp. It's like, they, I almost feel like they have a similar vibe of like Magikarp. It's like, why am I alive? Yeah, and and uh, I, I do, I, I really like Ludico a lot. He has an interesting typing. He's water grass, uh, which makes it really tough for uh, people to handle him because those types kind of balance each other out. So he doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Um, I love using Ludicolo in Pokemon. He's kind of like a, a support type. He can, he can summon the rain and you can kind of power up other Pokemon with him. Uh, that, that's my rant on Ludicolo and why Ludicolo is cool. Hey, that's, uh, <laughs> I think that's a pretty compelling rant. He's, 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 a cool, he's a cool dude. And again, he's a Pokemon with a sombrero on his head. I'm not sure if that's racist or not, but hey, yeah, he's, he's an interesting character. Clear, no one tried to cancel Ludicolo the way they tried to cancel Jinx uh jinx who is not in this movie yeah i mean do you, do you remember jinx the uh, the blackface pokemon oh yeah i do remember yeah, yeah. They, it's, they, it's pretty bad i mean jinx is pretty bad in I, terms mean, of... I know what she i know what jinx is based off of she's based off this thing where like japanese women would like tan themselves and make themselves blonde but again um uh, there, there's a listen they're not selling a ton of jinx merchandise i can tell you that uh, yeah did they ch- they change the color from black it, to purple right Is yeah that... yeah but again still it, still, still a, a dicey dicey with the origins of listen um when they cut pokemon and pokemon sword and shield and we're like we're not bringing everyone back uh jinx jinx was not brought back they're like you know what this is a good time to just not um i don't think jinx is ever going to get an evolution sadly either um probably because they don't even want to address her uh the less i i don't think Jinx could uh, ever get an evolution that uh, is a more positive depiction. No, I think it's one of those ones that I think it's fair to be like, We're all not, right. You're not, you're, not, you're not coming back. Sorry. We've got a lot of other cool ones, and we've got cool ideas for new Pokemon. Like, you can just be like, yeah, we should never have done this. They, so I kind, of under, I kind of like that they, like, kind of recognize the mistake. But also, like, she seems to be the most problematic one. Unless I don't know Pokemon's, unless there's a, a list of She's others. Definitely can... a, among the a, among the top five most pro- problematic Pokemon. I can say who, that. Who would be another one? Just out of curiosity. I mean, there's mostly just creepy ones. I don't think there's any ones that are like racist in the way that Jinx. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up right now. Top most problematic Pokemon. Most offensive. I mean, Alakazam had an issue because of the psychic powers and because someone said he. The Pokemon Alakazam violated their copyright because it was this psychic named Yuri Geller, and he said the Pokemon had similar symbols to him or something. I don't know. Uh, Alakazam still still uh, exists though. So. Uh, no, I, I, I looked up Screen Rant, and Screen Rant being a terrible website, their their 15 most offensive Pokemon is just made up. Oh um, yeah, there's one I I also looked up that it's like a couple of Pokemon represent Satanism. I'm like, all right, that's a very yeah. like that's a stretch. Yeah, that's a stretch. No, I I think Jinx is the one clear one where it's like no one no one's hoping. No, if there's someone who's hoping to see Jinx in the movie, I'm like, well, <laughs> listen, maybe, they probably voted for Trump. <laughs> Meowth didn't even make it into this movie. That that's a very popular Pokemon. Meowth did not make it into this movie. Um. But which you know what Pokemon did make it into this movie, Mr. Mime. Um, yeah, so they find an informant 
who is a Mr. Mime. And Mr. Mime is, again, he's a human-like Pokemon, um, but he also is an animal. And so the film has a lot of fun with that. The Mr. Mime set piece is, or is it a set piece or sequence or whatever? That's definitely a fun one. That was one of my favorite scenes. Like that was where I was like, whoever was doing the uh, motion capture for Mr. Mime probably had a really fun day on set. Yeah, they they said they even worked with a real mime to like come up with the movements. And apparently that was the one the writers had to fight for because the Pokemon company was like, seriously, you want Mr. Mime? He's weird. Um, Yeah, but it's probably one of the the standout scenes in this movie. Like if you can like, you know, you could go back and rewatch that scene just because it is fun and like at that point it's a you know it's an obviously it's a good introduction to the world it's also like i like this idea of like them kind of embracing what some people would refer to as one of the lamer pokemons because there is this like almost sad sad sackness to mr mime where like uh when he's introduced he's like trying to escape he like is on like a, a bike and like it's all mime so he's just standing still or he's like running um and like you know they stop him yeah and he like crashes he crashes like slowly and stuff and then um yeah they have this like interrogation and again it's like they're like trying to play like is it pictionary or what or charades or whatever they're yeah it's it's essentially charades they're like (laughs) like they're like oh what's the word round oh and then like he um tim yeah round uh, the answer ends up being like the roundhouse uh which is a yeah but like tim uses to like uh to really get him he's like he you know, I guess Mr. Mime's ability is that he can actually create a bit of a fake wall. Yeah, he can create barriers. And his but, exactly- but like, yeah, but like he, Tim obviously goes through the barrier and then yeah. like, I love that he like pours gasoline on him and like has the, the matches and like the matches, like the first one is blown out and the second one is like, you know, kind of, he uses his fingers to take out and then like, he goes, oh, I'm going to take the thing and like escapes and then he's like, oh, I'm going to actually put you on fire and like, that was actually probably one of the better scenes in the whole movie. For sure. Was, is it, is it's, like Reservoir Justice Dogs? is pretty good at it. Like, I got to say, like, for him to be acting to essentially no one in that scene, like, obviously there's probably, uh, you know, an off-screen guy who's doing the voices of Mr. Uh, Pikachu, and then uh, just a mime, like, working with, like, just a mime. Like, it's, I liked it. it was yeah, it's a, and is that, is that from, like, Reservoir Dogs, the whole gasoline thing? That's dark. Again, this movie has some... That's why I was like, this can't be for kids. Like, there's, like, he's set some... He's, they imply they that they're going to set Mr. Mime on fire, like, as if they are in Reservoir Dogs. I'll, I'll say this. When, when I went into this movie, I was hoping it would be a Pixar-quality movie. It's not. I think this is like a B, maybe B plus. I'm feeling pretty generous towards it, at least of, of this viewing. Yeah, this is definitely nowhere near a Pixar quality. No, it's it's a DreamWorks movie. It's a DreamWorks movie. And yeah, I'm, DreamWorks is a fair. Bad thing to say. It's a DreamWorks. It's a DreamWorks kids. Movie. I don't know if this is for kids. I'm like, I'm not oh, a. I feel like they they're they are not sure if this movie should be playing for millennials or if this movie should be like for kids like i, mean, I think it kind of, of plays for both like i think that's the the one of the weird tonal angles that i can't figure out is if the audience for this movie is going to be like kid, families or if it's going to be for like nostalgic adults I who think, potentially I, might have young families too i think it still is though. i think it still mostly works i mean the, the kids aren't going to necessarily follow the reservoir dogs reference they're going to follow the fact that mr mime is a silly pokemon 
Yeah. I, I think that's <laughs> but I think they're going to still recognize that, like, the implication is, is that Tim's going to light him on fire. <laughs> like, hey, he's just miming it. He didn't take out, like, a real thing. Although the, the, the scene ends with the implication that, like, he tips, he kind of tips the light off. So it's like, wait, did, like, the Mr. Mime actually mime believing he's on fire because of the weird world he lives in? So is he now, like, kind of just... Did he, like, break this Mr. Mime's mind? Yeah, that was the whole thing, is, like, oh, like, because, yeah, it kind of looks like they're going to do that classic, like, cool guys don't look, uh, don't look at explosions thing, where they're just, like, oh, they set him on fire and then, like, walk away. But I guess, like, the unfortunate part is Mr. Mime doesn't return. And I would have loved to have, like, that's the thing. I would have loved if Mr. Mime, in, like, the final scene, had returned on some level. Like, yeah, I just would have been like, I wanted Mr. Mind to, like, come in and be like, oh, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I'm being like, yeah. oh, maybe it's Rogers, like, he's, like, Rogers' friend or something. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of things. I think I think the way the writer saw it was, like, each Pokemon, each Pokemon in the scene has kind of just got their own scene. I think that's just maybe how they structured it. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happened, uh, but I don't know. I think, like, just from a narrative standpoint, like, yeah. set up, setting up having Mr. Mime in that world and then, like, paying it off a little later would have been uh, fun. Because uh, Mr. Mime does get this extended sequence that even Jigglypuff doesn't and that, and that get the jog, credit for. And that jogs me- my memory of how, how I might describe my, my Pokemon pitch later. Um, but that, anyways, that does take us to the roundhouse, yeah. And the round, this is the round. This is how long it takes. It takes us what, like forty-five minutes to see a Pokemon battle, and it's the only real Pokemon battle we see in the entire movie. Oh wait, no, we get a we get a glimpse of a Pokemon battle in the um in the whole Rhyme City um, montage earlier, where there's like the explainer, where it's like they 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 show a Pokemon arena with like a Gyarados and another Pokemon. Yeah, well, they basically kind of apply that there's like uh, there's like a commercial part of that, like. Uh, the train sequences, so yeah, they have like a guy who could be uh, an older Ash. Yeah, like, exactly. In, in the ring, so it's like because it, he's wearing the red hat and everything. For sure. Um, so it's just like, oh, they just were like saying, like, hey, look, you kind of remember this, but but we're not going to give it to you. We're not going to give you the thing you would think would be the most obvious premise of a Pokemon movie. Yeah, we're not going to give you what you want. We're going to give you what we want you to have. <laughs> like and, it's I a still, and I still low-key kind of think they kind of did the right call. Because here's the other weird thing about the weird Pokemon world, just like, because the Pokemon world is effectively cockfighting. Because we understand these creatures are sentient and have feelings and emotions even more complex than even like your cat or your dog, but people still make them fight and claim ownership over them. And that's, that's the weird relationship the Pokemon has had. It's like, yeah, Pokemon are your friends and they don't actually hurt each other, but they're still throwing lightning at each other and biting each other. Yeah. We're, I mean, the humans are the monsters. On, and, like, and, that, and that's something like Mewtwo kind of and, says, it's like all humanity is like, you know, um, and, and to be fair, in the video game Pokemon Black and White, part of the fifth generation, the evil team is actually like basically PETA, and it, the the game tries to actually like do that story of like, yeah, maybe maybe the evil team is right. Maybe Pokemon should be um, left out of their balls until it's revealed that like the vil- the the leader of the team is just like a megalomaniac who doesn't care, and it's like, nah, never mind. Pokemon, your friends, you should fight with them. Um, the the franchise has always had that weird relationship with that concept with its core concepts yeah because like you because you they can't it's that weird line it's almost it's the the almost the story breaking part of this universe which is that yeah it's the line of like yeah are they like kind of emotionally on the same level as humans if not more 
or yeah are they just like oh there's certain ones that are just like they're built for fighting and that's what they need to do like this yeah. is a fight um, and and there's clearly you know all pokemon will you know fight at a certain point but um all of them are doomed doomed in eternal combat uh, yeah for humans a pleasure like it's essentially yeah like you said cockfighting or like the gladiator battles of ancient rome um but i do like the roundhouse i and also like mm-hmm. diplo plays the dj um, i noticed that i was like what what diplo's in this and that's again this like weird like thing where they like um the in that sequence where they go to roundhouse because like, that's the thing instead of going to i don't know that's detective true. yoshida to yeah. be like hey we found this thing uh, they go like we're just gonna go to we're just gonna go straight to the arena we're gonna go to the underground uh, battle arena which is apparently illegal in Rhyme City but it, it's packed with uh, just ev- like I love that they threw in like every look there's like goth people there's like you know those influencer types like it looks like a rave like it's essentially like oh we're gonna like do a rave but like in the Pokemon world <laughs> like it's crazy it, it is crazy. Um, but I do like this world. I like the fact that the, the Pokemon Loudred, who is, um, again, got these like big ears that effectively serve as like subwoofers. That, that's a cool Pokemon. Again, I like how they use the Pokemon in this movie, um, visually and stuff, and with the world building. And we see our boy Gengar. Our, our boy Gengar is uh, fighting Blastoise, um, and Gengar is clearly winning. I mean, Bla- Blastoise, did you think Blastoise was going to pull it off, Malcolm? Uh, no, no. I mean, I like Gengar. Um, so I was, um, I'm a Gengar stan. I was, I was going to root for him. I, no matter I was what. pro Blastoise, but when you watch that match, if we're going to analyze it like a Baki fighter, an MMA fight, I mean, that, that Blastoise had no chance. I mean, he's slow and Gengar is like using moves that can like clone himself. He's, you know, using shadow ball. I mean, I mean, did Blastoise even hit him once? No, he probably just hit a clone. I don't think so. Yeah, he... You know, I like how Blastoise, he, it's not a real move in the game, but, you know, again, it's, it's a movie. They can do whatever they want. He's, like, u- using his shell to, to kind of do um, a spin cycle and just to, you know, try to hit all those targets. But, again, he had no chance. Um, also, Gengar knows the move Thunderbolt and Giga Drain, so he knows both a grass and an electric move. So, I mean, you know, we, we don't see those moves being used in the movie, but, listen, he, he, he could have took down Blastoise easily no matter what. Yeah, Blastoise had no chance. Oh yeah, no, that easily. So um, um, all in, like the background, I do like how you just see in the background that Blastoise is lost. I'm like, yeah, that's a good sight gig. Wait, which sight gig? I may have missed. That. Oh, it's not even like a sight gig, but you just see in the background that Blastoise got taken down. He's just like kind of like on the ground suffering. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, and and then we meet. Uh, uh, yeah, we we meet this character, Sebastian. Uh, he didn't really have a name, um, but he's yeah, this this very flamboyant Pokemon trainer. And again, yeah. he looks like a gym leader from the video games. He, he's, he's, he's one of the, him and Jack are like the closest to regular video game characters from Pokemon that you'd expect. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, they actually like, the, the, that's another thing that's totally weird about this is that, um, is yeah, that like Sebastian and Jack are both, char- yeah, characters that, um, perfectly that, should, that, that shouldn't be like, out of you know like shouldn't be like oh they're the outliers in this world <laughs> except in this movie they are kind of but yeah i liked him he kind of almost has this like weird like you know uh dj vibe to him yeah. in this film which i 
Well, he was literally a DJ. He was a DJ, and he's he's also a drug user. Um, oh yeah, that was a fun gag. Like, oh well, there's like a battle between uh, Charizard and Pokemon, and it like turns out that like Tim's dad uh, and this Pikachu were you know had been there before, and that I guess this Pikachu had fucked up Charizard. Yeah, he gave him a scar, and you know he he messed up uh, Sebastian's jacket. Um, yeah, the, the actor Omar Chaparro, I thought he did a fun job. He's a fun character. Again, very minor character. I don't think he appears in any other scenes in the movie. Um, no, he's he only played, in this one. He serves his job. And we get, we we think we're going to get a Pokemon battle between uh, Pikachu and Charizard. But it turns out we don't because, yeah, uh, uh, Pikachu, Pikachu, Dadachu can't use his electric moves. He's, he's really struggling. He can't, he can't uh, get it up. Oh yeah, we should explain that. This is something we haven't talked about. Pikachu in this movie has amnesia. <laughs> well, because he doesn't know he's a human and he doesn't know anything. So yeah. Yeah, like like that's the thing they play up is like this uh, Pikachu has amnesia and like so they use this thing of like oh I can't do it when everyone's watching. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but thankfully you know Tim, the good trainer, the good son, um, he he comes out, he he breaks into the uh, arena and starts like trying to like stomp Charizard's tail, which again, very dangerous because Charizard is a dragon. So um, he could, he could bite your neck, buddy. Very, very, very dangerous move. Um, but then of course, you know, like again, uh, Sebastian, he's given, he's given Charizard a bit of R um, to, to make him, you know, wow, fight harder. But then as you know, Tim is trying to, trying to save Pikachu, Sebastian gets involved and then, and then gets knocked over and all of the R in his jacket, uh, pops out and uh, messes every single Pokemon in that arena up all the time. I, th- I thought that was a very funny gig that he's basically, he's um, Sebastian is shirtless, but he's like wearing like this kind of like fluffy, big, like overcoat. Yeah. Uh, and then inside of it, he's like that classic drug dealer move where it's just like his pockets are lined with R like they on both sides. And yeah, the fact that they all break and then just get released in this arena. This underground yeah. cockfighting uh, arena yeah, is but, so funny. And also, for some reason, there's just a Magikarp randomly in a, a fish tank, which uh, proves to be very helpful because, yeah, the Loudred, they explode the uh, the glass with their uh, their noise powers. And, yeah, a Magikarp gets loose, and, and Pikachu is just like, hey, hey, listen, this is our only way out of the situation. We need to get this Magikarp to evolve. And it does. It um, does. And it's funny because we, we watched an episode where Gyarados uh, went against Charizard uh, last week. And this week, Gyarados gets his revenge. Um, the Magikarp evolves into Gyarados and, compl- <laughs> and he makes Charizard like whimper. That was, that was some good emotion from a uh, good acting from Charizard. Yeah, I feel, I feel for this Charizard. This Charizard's now been beaten twice. He's got a scar. Uh, if we believe these are sentient, sentient creatures, like I'm like, oh man, like this Charizard just needs to like, you know, get the way, uh, get the fuck away from Sebastian and live, yeah. live a, a peaceful life. Like just go, go, I don't know, roam the skies. I think, I'm assuming Charizard can fly. So, so I have this concept art from uh, RJ Palmer who worked on the movie and this set piece was going to be even more expensive. Um, Basically, yeah, if you just look up R.J. Palmer on ArtStation, you can find all his stuff. He's got some really cool concept art for this film. And effectively, like, the Gyarados was actually going to break open the entire stadium and, like, just like, kind of unleash itself upon, upon a city block. And then Charizard was going to have an extended fight sequence. And then a bunch of other Pokemon that he, he had designed that didn't make it into the cut are present in this artwork. And while we're at it about R.J. Palmer, there, there's a cool sequence. I sent it to you, Malcolm, of... Um, 
a museum I, sequence. Do you, do you have it in your text or you just click? Oh it? yeah, no, I'm just looking at it oh, right now. Yeah. So yeah, this man, this is a sequence where I'm like, this is the one sequence where I'm like, man, I wish this was in the movie because there are fossil Pokemon, like Pokemon that are like, have been uh, excavated or whatever from fossils and revived. And I, I guess like they couldn't find a plot reason, but I do like the idea of them going to um, going to a museum of like fossilized Pokemon and then being chased by by revived Poke- by revived ancient Pokemon. Yeah, see that would have been great. Like that's uh, that's a that, cool sequence. I think. That's a cool sequence. That would have been a great way of like explain uh, explaining Pokemon a little bit more. Like again, it's one of those things where if there was kind of more of a vision for the entire piece. Like, this is a sequence that, like, could have done a lot of jobs in one. And I hope that if they do make a sequel that they revisit that. Because I, like, just from the – I know we're a podcast, but, like, looking at the art, which we'll probably link uh, yeah, I mean, episode like I description. Say, just look RJ Palmer ArtStation.com or you just Google RJ Palmer, you'll find it. He, he's also got Twitter. So I, I found yeah. this through a variety of Like, it, it almost becomes a, a sequence that would be right from uh, Night at the Museum on some level. Night at the Museum but, Pokemon. And yeah. I mean, this is already on track to be our longest podcast because I'm not even sure we're halfway through the movie. No, um, we're, we're not. No, uh, we're not. Oh, whatever. You're, you're getting good value, folks. Because, hey, we, we picked a movie with a lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot to pick apart. Um, but no, like the Pokemon world is just, again, it's on, there's so much to the world of Pokemon, but also so much of it that's underdeveloped, which is why it would be so exciting for them to be like, yeah, it would be terrifying if like, an ancient Pokemon just randomly revived itself in a museum. Like, that's a fun sequence. Yeah, and, like, the idea of, like, you know, I love, like, that's the thing that's, like, really interests me is, like, okay, what got, like, some of these are, like, obviously, you know, have been fossilized and are, in theory, extinct. And I'm like, oh, how did they get extinct? Like, (laughs) like, there's, like, all these questions that I don't know if, it's ever been answered in the Pokemon universe. They've been answered in very, I mean, listen, the game, listen, I'm not going to say the video games have, have a plus stories, but you know, there's, there's plenty of dialogue and stuff in the games, but it's, it's the type of thing you'd like a live action movie to explore just to get that extra, extra kick, you know? Um, so yeah, let, let's move on from the Pokemon battle. Again, like, I think that's a fun sequence. Again, Gyarados looks great. Uh, and yeah, it's cool to see Charizard for, for the movie. Also like the audio, the audio from the audience in the the roundhouse battle came from uh, audio they recorded at like the Pokemon World Championships, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's kind of that's a neat Easter egg. Yeah, I didn't uh, even know they had Pokemon World Championships. Yeah, I mean it's not like I mean Nintendo is so weird about like giving away prize money. They'll never let their video games become like League of Legends or something just because that's how they feel about video games, their own philosophy. But yeah, like there is competitive Pokemon is a thing because. The Pokemon games are have a very deep turn-based combat system. Um, it's very deep metagame, especially considering it's a game for children. Um, but hey, turn-based games are awesome. Stop playing Call of Duty and play uh, play Pokemon. It's it's way better. Um, let's move on though to to yeah our next scene. Oh, oh yeah, I should also sorry the last thing I know we're uh, for this scene is that we're also introduced to like there's like a like an agent character named like oh, yeah. uh, Miss Norman and she like texts someone um, that like. Uh, the boy and the Pikachu have arrived. And she's very pink. She's very pink and she's wearing sunglasses, hint, hint. So yeah, the, uh, Tim and Pikachu, they meet Howard Clifford, played by played by Bill Nighy, who is... The, Ken Watanabe, very good actor. I think Bill Nighy is the, the most overqualified actor in this movie. 
Oh yeah, I mean Bill Nighy, the uh, British guy. Um, please uh, clap, as Jeb Bush would say, <laughs> for that joke. Um, they, yeah, I mean he's he's Howard, and um, he's the guy that uh, we revealed in this scene that like oh that he's hired. He was the one who hired Henry mm-hmm. to like. Or wait, is it this scene or is it later that it's revealed? Uh, no, uh, it's, uh, no, he's there. They just they show up at his place. Oh yeah, this is like a sequence that I like. Kind of confused me that like I was like, how did they get all the way here? Like, how did they? There's a lot of jumping. There's a lot of jumping. They just because there's of... another scene. Maybe we skipped it. Yeah, we'll we, we, skipped, we skipped an earlier scene at the um the CMN. Is it CMN? CMN. Yeah, that one where I was like, how did he get through all this security? Like they're live on air with like. Howard and um, his son. Um, what I like about the CMN sequence is that the the CMN new news music is the uh, the original Pokemon theme. The the whole uh, I want to be the very best music. Uh, oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's the uh, and that song gets brought up again, but it's it's the uh, the score from that. That's the uh, the news. Again, this is a weird movie because it's like it's a Pokemon movie, but it's also dealing with like a Fox News style Rupert Murdoch character. Yeah, that's what how like Howard Clifford is that like he again he's this like um, Howard Hughes kind of guy where Murdoch and he even has a shitty son so this is also Succession basically uh, played by Chris Gere from uh, You're the Worst. I want to say like I'm a huge fan of Chris Gere. I think You're the Worst is one of the best shows of the 2010s. Like I think like and he's so he's perfect in it so it was it was really nice to see him in this and i felt like he was underutilized like for from an actor of his talents i was like i wanted to see more from him um and i don't know if he had a bunch of scenes that were cut but uh, maybe, maybe the scenes that were cut were because it, it was turning into succession and it's all about the relationship <laughs> i maybe that's what just what i wanted i wanted a, a, a succession but based on the pokemon universe i think, all, I think we all it's a big world man we want a lot of different movies in the pokemon universe um this was also the sequence where i was referring to where i felt like there were way too many pokemon in this scene like why are there just pokemon just around all these cameras like the ditto the ditto makes sense because ditto is a pokemon with a function but, like, there's a Pokemon called Slacking, who's just, like, this kind of big, like, sloth creature. He's just, like, sitting next to, like, the craft service. And it's like, why? why? He serves no purpose. Yeah, I mean, that, they were just probably trying to, like, hey, we, we have this uh, design, so we yeah. might as well put him here. Uh, it's, it's like the train sequence with the, with the Pokemon that does, has the tongue, where you're like, why is this happening? Why is this there? It's like, you know, someone caged your lick a tongue. Sorry. It, I... There's no reason for us slacking to just be next to craft services. And but, but yeah, I just also wanted a sequence with like, how did Tim and Pikachu sneak into this? Like, I was like, it feels like a very much like a closed set that they're on. And and there's also like, the scene with with Chris Gear's character where he tells Lucy like, if it can't be verified, it's not worth it or something. Or what's what's it like? Yeah, it's it's something along those lines where she he's basically like, oh yeah, because she comes and wants to pitch him the story, and which, like of what's going on which i thought was that's a bold move to be like shouldn't you have like be working for like an editor or something like how did you get into this part where like the ceo of the company you're like all right this person's gonna like green light it i'm I'm gonna say this i i agree i agree with young clifford i agree if she doesn't have the evidence yeah she shouldn't be able to pitch her story she can't just give hearsay it's like they're a news they're a news organization they're not yeah and she and she's like 20 years old all right like she's like her, right now she's working at the BuzzFeed component. 
She's not at BuzzFeed News yet. But exactly. So you, so you know what, Roger Clifford, you're in the right. You weren't being a jerk. I mean, you were maybe being a bit condescending, but but hey, man, you know, yeah, I I agree with him there. Yeah, um, classic but, succession. Classic succession. So yeah, let's 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 jump back to to the big mysterious question of yeah, Howard Clifford, uh, who was totally not the villain of the movie. He's totally not suspicious at all. Um, he's just a guy who wants to evolve Pokemon and. We do see, we see, briefly see like an Eevee who gets turned into Flareon and we know it's Flareon because Pikachu says the name. He's like, oh, it's, that's a Flareon. That, that helped me as someone who doesn't know Pokemon very well. It, did, it was nice that sometimes Pikachu would be like, just, just name drop what these Pokemon are. <laughs> like, just like, I was like, oh, thank God. That was for me. Here's the other thing you wouldn't have noticed at all. You, there, there's like three statues there. And those statues are, as far as set pieces go, um, those are the Pokemon with the most potential. So yeah, like a, there's this, you know, um, podium for the Eevee to evolve into Flareon. And yeah, three statues. Uh, on the left is, Pal- is Dialga, who is, who, who is a Pokemon who literally is the god of time. And then on the right is Palkia, who is the god of space. And then in the center is Arceus, who is literally the god of of the world of pokemon that that that's how powerful these creatures are there are literally pokemon that can control time and space and literally created the worlds and And so where are they like why are they like well it makes sense that they're present they're not present but like they're statues of them because they'd be worshipped but again like you think mewtwo's powerful man there's pokemon that can like literally like control time and space um and i yeah that's so, I, I guess obviously the movie didn't want to get that crazy, but it's also this is no living. Yeah, but I guess it's kind of like you know if you're trying to start up some sort of movie universe, you don't yeah. want to drop Thanos in on the first Iron Man film. It's not even just like showing Thanos's glove though, like in Thor. It's just straight up showing a statue of Thanos, and you're like, huh? Um, obviously, like, it's like, who's uh, that guy? But, yeah. Why him? <laughs> Uh, but the statues uh, looked very well built. Uh, I'm not sure if those are practical or, or post-production, but I liked how the statues look. They, they... That's the thing. The Pokemon in this... Again, I think we should bring up the other video game adaptation that had a trailer that came around this time, but um, was delayed. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, yeah, the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer was compared... The first trailer was compared a ton to this movie. Yeah, the Pokemon in this movie, they look like Pokemon as opposed to the Sonic Abomination. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the one thing they did get right, and I think that helps that they had the, uh, you know, the Pokemon company, like involved heavily in this film, is that they did like you know have guides. Whereas, like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know think who's... Sega gave a shit to be fair, but because also Sega doesn't give a shit about good Sonic games either. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like I don't even know who's like running Sega. Like I wasn't even sure if that company truly exists or now. I mean, I'm sure it's just a subsidiary of something well, Sega, else. Sega makes awesome games. Their Sonic games are just sucky because they know just dumb kids buy them. Yeah, I guess it's like it's just it doesn't have the appeal that it probably once had. And now they tried to make the movie and like didn't really give a shit. It's I guess it's because that whoever the creator of Sonic is is probably no longer with us. No, he's he's with us. But to be fair, Yuji Naka hasn't done too much great stuff either. Uh, well, I don't know much about Sonic to be yeah, honest. Or, and Sonic is not does not have an anime adaptation, so we're not going to cover the Sonic movie. And see what? Well, what's weird about Sonic is that when you think about it, Ben Schwartz, who's not a movie star, is the voice of Sonic. 
And like, and that's where like it leads to this question of like, well, Detective Pikachu could have not had like again well, going back so to our argument. Sonic maybe had Jim Carrey as its big star. He was he was the star. Yeah, well, you would have just not had Bill Nye. You would have you could have had like a bigger actor as Howard, most uh, likely. Yeah, uh, Bill Nye. He he's very much playing the doctor who gets killed. He was like the creator of the the Blade Runners or the the androids or whatever in Blade Runner. Uh, he's very much doing that. Um, he's crippled. And he's very much obsessed with Pokemon Evolution, um, which the screenwriter said that was like their hook for the movie. It's like, yeah, like what does evolution mean to the human world if it exists with Pokemon? So I think actually centering this movie's whole conceit around evolution was actually kind of clever. Yeah, that's actually the one thing I got to give credit for. Us. I was like, oh, I never even would have thought about like, yeah, because if, you if you're in a world where you're constantly watching these things grow but then again if you think about it in human terms like you start off as this little baby and then you like become a little kid and then you're you know a teenager mm-hmm. and then you're an adult right so like you yeah. humans do evolve it's just you know but it's that, not as cool or as magic- quickly as pokemon not to the extent of magikarp training to Gyarados. i mean some people <laughs> have blow-ups but not that big so, I mean, yeah. he's an exception. Yeah, I don't know. They're, like I, like me and Kyle were telling you, there's a lot of Pokemon that have glow-ups. But yeah, that impressive? Like, as big as that? I, I can give you one right now. Uh, type in the name Wimpod, and then our Wimp, Wimpod evolution. So Wimp and Pod. Uh, he starts uh, out as a useless little bug, and he turns into... I'll, I'll wait for your reaction. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he turns into a samurai. Yeah, he's a bug that turns into a samurai. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's, I see what's going on. There's, there's plenty of other examples. Um, I, I like Wimpod and Gal Gloss. I, I can't pronounce the name right now, but he's a cool Pokemon. He's I think he's one, he's a newer one. I think he's one of the better, more recent designs because Samurai Bug is a cool concept. Um, everyone, everyone, get Pokemon Sun and Moon so you can catch your own Wimpod and evolve him into a Gallisopod. Um, so yeah, <sighs> yeah. Um, and Howard, he he pins the blame on you two. Um, you know, he's, to- he's totally, he's just being real with these guys. It was Mewtwo who erased Pikachu's memory. And, um, oh, and it was his son as well. That his son has son. hated, hated him. He hates his leg as, you know, that he's been so focused on like his work that his son has been lost by it and wants to destroy his legacy. Yeah. He, he did. You know what? When I watched this movie, I bought it because I didn't trust Chris Gear at all. I also bought it because, like, the only sequence that we see of him before is that he's kind of a jerk to Lucy. Yeah, uh, but as we as we said, he he was pretty he was somewhat justified. He, he wasn't he was it wasn't that low. Anyways, um, yeah, there, there's also another. Um, I'm I'm just reading the Wikipedia page right now to just keep me on track. But uh, what it what it fails to mention is there's another um, meeting with like Lucy. Lucy and um, Tim at like the coffee bar basically. And she's like trying to like do the femme fatale thing. And they're just like, no, no, this just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That one was again, another weird scene again, where, what movie are you in? Are you in this comedy? Are you in this like kind of more drama? Like that's where like, that's where I don't feel like justice Smith um, really stood out. Like he's not a great comedic actor. Well, but I, I thought he was fine as a straight man. I don't know. I found him likable. Yeah, you're gonna defend him. I know you're gonna defend him. <laughs> I, I'm not. <laughs> like, whereas you don't like Brian Ronson, Detective Pikachu. Yeah, and I, I do. Brian's fine. I, I was kind of giving him a hard time, but even then, I'm like, yeah, okay. I, yeah. I no, I'm not gonna back down on this one. I just like, I don't know. I think a better comedic actor would have just like found more joy in some of those scenes. Um, also, I was surprised that like, I mean, we're gonna skip ahead. Um, is that like uh, Tim and Lucy never kiss in the movie? 
Oh, yeah, uh, they don't. Shit. I didn't, yeah, there's none of that. Uh, there's a reconciliation between father and son, but... Yeah, yeah there's, there's no, like... Because he's, you know, there's no, like, oh, we're now together, even though, like, that's the implication this whole time. And, and like, this whole thing. attracted to her and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got to save this woman that I'm deeply attracted to is a line in the film. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, they don't kiss. And, like, that seemed like the, the perfect, like, you know, that was like, oh, they're going to set up this so that, like, by the end when everything, like, is resolved, they, like, kiss finally. Um, it doesn't it happen. It doesn't happen. Uh, what does happen is that they go to a secret lab, and um, yeah, there, there's these ninja Pokemon called Greninja. Um, Greninja's a cool Pokemon. Uh, he's actually ranked the number one most popular Pokemon, according to some yearly polls they've had. Uh, I'm not sure if Greninja is necessarily re- recognizable by, by, the, by the everyman, because uh, he's a fairly newer one, but definitely by the fan base, Greninja's a really popular Pokemon. He's also a starter type a starter Pokemon and Ash used him prominently uh, when he nearly won the Pokemon league until uh, he woofed it. Um, What do you think of that Ninja, Ninja frog? Um, I mean, I liked it. I mean, I, I like, it kind of made sense. Like they kind of do work as like a security influence. Yeah. And Um, it does have like Ninja kind of henchmen. That seems like a a good trope. Yeah. That was like a good way of incorporating them into the film. That whole sequence in the genetics lab is really weird because, oh yeah, also in the before and Howard scene, there's like this VR technology that's introduced yeah. that like you can like go back. It's their way of like doing flashbacks on a certain level, but like having, uh, finding an excuse for like Tim to be around. And like we go, once they're in the genetic, um, in the into the lab, we see like what I would think are just like the weirdest string of scenes in the lab where we see this doctor and she's talking out loud about what she's doing, that's which is something you would never do. Like I, like I do improv, um, uh, pretty high level. And like, I was like, you, that's like the first thing they say is like, don't talk about what you're doing. Like, it's like, you can like make a sandwich and talk about something else. Uh, and it this one, it was just, and again, it's such an exposition dump. Like it's such an obvious, like we have to get all this information out. And so I felt, I was. I felt for the actress who and had to play that doctor. That's Rita Ora. See, I knew I recognized her, but I was like, "Who?" I thought because I was like, "This isn't Gina Rodriguez." I was like, and then yeah, now it's which is also kind of crazy. They have this like Rita Ora, who's a pop star, and yeah. she does like she's not like she doesn't contribute a song to this movie. She's just oh, yeah, in she this. Does. She she did like a music video or something. Oh, she did. Well, I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, you don't like her song's not like in the uh, credits or anything. Like in terms of yeah. playing, maybe it is. I might be wrong. I didn't really yeah. watch the full credits. <laughs> but yeah, this the VR technology is just like a weird. It's a weird way around flashbacks. Oh yeah, sorry, and in and which is also weird because early in the movie when. Tim's first at the apartment, there's an extended sequence of silence where he's just wandering this apartment and then he has these flashbacks to when he was a kid and, the, and like in and his it, grandmother and stuff. So there's actual flashbacks in this movie and then they were like, forget about flashbacks. We're going to use this VR technology to then do more flashbacks. And, and also, I, this is a knocking against the movie. I think it's a fair knock. Flashbacks to a mystery we already know the answer to pretty much. Like, yeah. It's it's way they could have easily cut out like a good ten minutes and just like simplified it because it's not like it's that confusing. Uh, no, like we already we know like even me as a casual like you know person who's kind of casually 
you know, come across Pokemon. Um, I knew about Mewtwo. I like he's like one of the only Pokemon that I like remember. And yeah. like also the very beginning of this movie, there's that Mewtwo epilogue yeah. or prologue, right. sorry. Um, and it's like that's what we're seeing. Like we already saw yeah, it. We've just seen that sequence, but it's just you could have cut the prologue, or you could have yeah you could cut this stuff. Like it's just. It's made yeah. no sense. Uh, move, moving on for the sake of brevity. Um, so yeah, they they escape the lab. They're they're getting chased by the Greninja. You, you also briefly see, or like they're kind of somewhat prominently these uh, Pokemon called Torterra, and they're they're kind of like a the the turtle with like the world on its back, but smaller. <laughs> hint hint, they're gonna play a role very very soon. Um, but yeah, Torterra is a cool Pokemon. He he's also a starter Pokemon. Yeah, and like so, yeah, they go and like they encounter it uh, at a certain point after these VR flashbacks happen. Yeah. You know, finds out uh, Lucy's been kind of taken in by uh, was it was it a Greninja that like traps her or like it's something yeah, it's wet? Greninja. Greninja. Yeah, Greninja. They escape by yeah. pulling the fire alarm or something that like it scares the Greninja. Yeah. I didn't really understand. Well, but, the, but the thing that really takes the Greninja down because again, Greninja, they're ninjas, man. They they don't mess around. What they have to do is they have to get Psyduck to finally unleash his uh, splitting headache because that's the whole thing. Psyduck, if he gets stressed, he'll unleash the splitting uh, psychic blast. Yeah, they kept saying that he was going to get explode. And I was like, oh, that would have yeah, been a fun sequence yeah. if, like, if this, like, it just becomes this splatter gore fest. But obviously they were never going to do they, that. They weren't going to do Akira. It's more just a sonic boom. Um, what do you think of Psyduck? I think Psyduck is definitely uh, one of the all-stars of this movie. I mean, he's, he's probably the most prominent Pokemon besides Mewtwo and Pikachu in this film. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting choice to, to have uh, Psyduck. Like, because you'd think, like, there'd be a, a different I mean, I think Pokemon Psyduck, for, I think, like, as an assistant to an aspiring journalist. Like, I don't know, like, it's a weird, it's an interesting match. Like, uh, I... So Dan, and, so Dan and Benji said Psyduck was, like, one where they were, like, we have to have him in. And also, I think... Even though Lucy isn't playing Misty from the cartoon, I think the fact that Misty in the cartoon prominently had a Psyduck, I think that's kind of their way of, you know, kind of creating some form of connection for, for the nostalgia, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. Be like, um, hey, this character has the same Pokemon as this other character you recognize. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, like, essentially, Tim is an old, what well, could have been an older Ash. Exactly. And Lucy is... Um, yeah, I guess Lucy is Misty, as you pointed out. Does that make does that make Jack Brock? Like, I wonder who the Brock would be. <laughs> Could have been Brock. Uh, I mean, you know, Brock always had crushes on girls, but but again, none of these characters are the same professions. I mean, listen, Tim Tim Goodman. No offense, man. You're you're no Ash Ketchum, even if Ash Ketchum kind of sucks in his own ways. And and I'm sorry, Lucy, you're just a you're just an intern. Uh, the real Misty, just like Brock, was also a gym leader. So you, you guys are on no level close to those people. Yeah. Remember, our lead is an insurance agent. I, I like the idea that the Pokemon world has insurance agents, though. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, uh, that, that's like could be a whole different thing. It's almost, I think it's such a weird like throwaway element to it. Because like, I guess we talked about that Rob Delaney was supposed maybe, to be maybe a, it was a co-worker. Maybe another Pokemon that was doing insurance with them. <laughs> yeah, like I bet you there was a comedic scene that got cut because of it. But regardless, uh, yeah, they, they end up escaping. 
And as they're running through the forest, you know, the, the only way to get the Greninja is, out is, you know, to stop them is through Psyduck's headache. That works. Um, that was a fun sonic boom. And then, uh-oh. Uh-oh, yes. the, the ground is shifting. The ground is shifting. Oh, no, what could it possibly be? Um, I think the effects were kind of cool, though. Um, and it becomes very clear, oh, oh, it's not an earthquake. We're on a Pokemon. I do think that's actually a cool reveal. That was a great reveal because before there's like when they're in the lab, they're yeah. so showing that all these Pokemon have been experimented on about yeah. like their evolutions. And when we do see the uh, the other like the other turtle ones, I forget what they're called. They're called what are Tortera. they? Tortera. Tortera. So tor- Tortera. Oh, so Tortera. Um, they're like they're like little and you think oh they haven't been experimented on yet and it's true they haven't because they're now these like giant monsters that are I guess full that's like just the landscape like they're just like the landscape yeah it's a Torterra forest and it's funny because these these game this movie was started on probably the same time as Pokemon Sword and Shield there there's no new Pokemon from Sword and Shield in this movie uh, but it is funny that Sword and Shield had a big gimmick of turning Pokemon big, and then this movie also features that. I doubt there was any communication about that, given their development cycles. Uh, but it's interesting. I thought that was an interesting detail. No, but I think it was a good... I mean, it's a great set piece, and then they like have yeah, to run as they start... You know, all of them start walking. There's, like, at a certain point, Lucy and uh, Tim are separated by, like, this chasm. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was hilarious that, like, at a certain point, Tim has to jump. But the implication of how far apart they are, it feels like he jumps, like, a mile. Like, it just feels like like it's this, like, endless chasm. Or chasm. And, uh, yeah, then he, like, gets to the other side. And I was like, wait, I thought the gap was much, much larger than what he traversed. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. But I was just like, oh, it was the one part where I was like, oh, it's kind of a weird... And then there's also some, you kind of see, this is the un, one unfortunate part, is that you can kind of see them reacting on the, that this was filmed on a green screen. Because <laughs> um, they're not, like, it's an earthquake, but they're not shaking as people. But, like, obviously the background in, is. Um, and then, yeah, after, um, you know, after this leap, uh, I guess Pikachu is mortally wounded by being yeah. hit by a rock. Even though he has survived this giant earthquake that should have like, they should all have major lacerations and they, and Lucy and Tim should be on the verge of death based on what they survived. Um, And yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, Pikachu is kind of on the verge of death. And then thankfully there's some Bulbasaur and uh, man, Bulbasaur in this movie are adorable, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they cut like it's one Bulbasaur and like, you know, that's when it's this reveal of like, you know, uh, you know, for also the longest time, Tim won't accept uh, Pikachu as his partner, mm-hmm. and this time he's like he accepts as Paul uh, as a partner. But because obviously Pikachu and Tim can talk and they understand each other, um, but Pikachu's now out because of yeah. his injuries. Like it's like he's talking to the Bulbasaur as like as if the Bulbasaur can really understand him. And I guess he's like, oh, it's but they understand my feelings. <laughs> I don't know why that. Yeah, man, I, I mean, like that's but it, it reminded me of like trying to talk to my cat or like or the sequence in uh, Guardians Two where like um, they're trying to get Groot to grab uh, Yondu's fin. It's like again, they're animals; they don't quite understand you, and that's difficult. You know what I mean? Yeah, but obviously they understand, and they you know mm-hmm. end up all coming together. 
Um, but like, it's just well, there wasn't a healer there because like they all the Bulbasaur arrive, and then Mewtwo shows up. Mewtwo shows up, yeah, and he heal- he's the one who heals Pikachu. And of course, it turns out Mewtwo was good all along. Um, that's one thing I've noticed about Pokemon. They always want to make it very clear: Pokemon are not evil. They may be manipulated by humans who are evil, but Pokemon themselves are even the ones with the most intelligence. There's no such thing as an evil Pokemon. Yeah. And I do like that on some level. I mean, I do think you can have a few evil ones. Like there should be a few that are evil by nature, but I guess it's like the allegory is, is that animals are not evil by nature. Humans are. It's like a Rottweiler that like attacks a child evil or was it abused by its owner? That kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would say it's uh, abused by the owner. I've watched, I watch a lot of uh, on like Instagram sometimes like pit bull videos and they can be very adorable. Like there's a, in my building, there's someone who has like a, a pit bull and it's like a very high anxiety dog. Oh God. That's again, Pokemon or animals, even the ones that look creepily like humans. Um, but even though, yeah, Mewtwo has healed uh, Pikachu and, and told them the truth. Uh, Pikachu feels that he, he betrayed them. Um, and then, I do like I do like when Pikachu's like alone just on the road. He's like saying the Pokemon theme song to himself. Yeah, that was the only moment where like I was thinking with your uh, Hugh Jackman uh, thing of like, oh, it, it might have been fun to have um, you know had had Hugh Jackman sing the Pokemon theme in that sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you also notice the mushroom Pokemon? It's it's a Pokemon called Morlaw. I thought those guys were kind of cute. Like they were like low caps. Thought they were. Oh, uh, where were they? Uh, in like the Bulbasaur sequence. The oh, ones. oh yeah, I guess they were there. Yeah, they were. Pokemon, maybe you just thought they were mushrooms. I probably thought they were. Well, no, they kind of moved. So I just like, <laughs> there's a lot of like, you know, side Pokemon that sort of like, you know, get lost if I, because I don't know them. So Fair enough, exactly. um, I, now that you said it, I do kind of remember them, but like they didn't stand out to me the way they stood out to you. Uh, final thoughts on this sequence before we finally move to the end of the movie? Um, I, I mean, like I said, I think it's a good, you know, it's a very solid sequence. Um, yeah, it's uh, a like cool the part. reveal that Mewtwo is good and that it was, uh, that Tim's father, Henry, was kind of working in tandem with Mewtwo and mm-hmm. that Mewtwo was actually, you know, looking out for Tim and Pikachu. Uh, and sadly, though, Mewtwo is kidnapped by Roger. Roger, who is always wearing sunglasses and not saying a word. Um, yes. That might mean something very soon. Yeah, he was wearing the sunglasses. They have, like, these electrodes. And that was the thing that I was, like, I'm always interested in the technology of, okay, how did you, uh, how did they capture Mewtwo? Like, how did they get this he, technology? He said the word electrode, and electrode's actually a Pokemon. That that is something they missed out on. They could have had electrodes be the ones to capture Mewtwo. Electro, oh. Electro is the Pokeball Pokemon. If you don't know, um, look, just look him up right now. That man, he could have. Oh, they they totally missed out. They could have totally used that as. A, oh, I remember this guy. Yeah, this guy looks like he's constantly got a beard. Um, <laughs> Electro. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a cool one. He's the I think he t- totally could have been the one to take down Mewtwo, uh, even if he's super weak. Yeah, especially because like there's this implication of like these Pokemon that have been like experimented on, like yeah. you could have just had like an overly powerful like Electroids. And, like. I, and I guess um, they wouldn't bring in Porygon. Sadly, no Porygon, the scapegoat that did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, just, um, you, the one that caused seizures. You know what I mean. 
Oh, that one. I, I've yeah. always liked Porygon. Um, he looks like a polygon and stuff. Yeah, sadly, he did not make his live-action debut because um, they had to blame the seizures on him and not Pikachu. Um, yeah. But yeah, mo- moving forward, yeah. Uh, Howard Howard reveals that it was he all along who was evil. Um, and yeah, his goal is to basically turn himself into a Pokemon. He's like, my body sucks, so I'm going to use this neural link to uh, to give myself a Mewtwo body. And and when when Mewtwo starts speaking with Bill Nighy's voice, you actually see Mewtwo's teeth, which reminded me of the original CG for Sonic in that crappy trailer. Right? Like teeth are just a weird thing for for creatures like that. Yeah, Bill, that's where like it becomes human, right? And you almost you don't want them to be human, like they're yeah, they're, they're supposed to be something else entirely. Yeah, Mew, Mewtwo teeth are creepy. Not as bad as Sonic uh, teeth, thankfully, but yeah. Uh, but again, he's like, yeah, I want to... It reminded me a lot of the X-Men movie, the first X-Men movie where, where Mewtwo's... Or not not Mewtwo, where Magneto's plan is to turn, like, you non-mutants into mutants and only the strong will survive. And that's pretty much just uh, Howard's plan, too. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a plot point. I mean, this is, like, another thing where, like, Howard starts just ranting, like, he's monologuing mm-hmm. to Tim, like, for, like, what probably is 20 minutes, like... Uh, not not in like actual movie time, but probably in real life where, you know, he's talking about all these things and like, yeah, his crappy body and, you know, that everyone's going to going to become Pokemon and like become like, uh, which is kind of a weird thing because some people have really shitty Pokemon. And so you're just like, oh, now you're going to be of the life of and like. If, if, a, if a person fuses with their Pokemon, does that mean they share the memories that their Pokemon had and the Pokemon share their memories? Like, I Again, we're not getting, not getting too aware of ourselves, but what happens when they unseparate and they're just like, oh my God, my Pokemon like to drink pee or something. I don't know. That just a really depraved sexual thing. Oh my God. Sexual, but it's just like, oh my God, I have to taste the pee in my mouth. Hey man, listen, if I shared a body with my cat, I'd be like, ew, gross. What do I have on my tongue? I've got all this like, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his, and it turns out the R is all in these balloons because it's like a special Pokemon parade because the Pokemon world is obsessed with Pokemon. There, there are no other interests <laughs> except for Pokemon. Um. Yeah. No, that's the thing. It's like, uh, which I kind of found was funny was like, there's this like Pokemon parade that's happening. And which is all, by the way, they don't want to set up that there's like, hey, by the way, there's going to be this Pokemon parade on Sunday. Like there's no timeline. It's just like, oh, we're going to have this parade now. Um, they're like, cause in, I feel like in other and more complicated written things, they've been like setting up like, oh yeah. So like, there's going to be this parade, you know, this big parade. And like, it turns out the parade, uh, all the balloons, like it's like Macy's day per Thanksgiving parade. Like there's all these balloons of Pokemon and they're all filled with this, uh, of, of R yeah. compound R or chemical R, or, yeah. you know, the drug R, um, and yeah, the Neuralink uh, also happens. I'm kind of skipping around, but Neuralink happens where they uh, roll in Mewtwo and Mewtwo, uh, Howard becomes Mewtwo essentially. Yeah, and I thought, again, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but what was especially cool, and we're finally getting to the part that we want, the reveal, he's like, because yeah, Tim, he notices, he hears a muffling in like a locker or something. And it's, oh my God, it's Howard's son, uh, son Roger. Uh, who it turns out Roger was not the bad guy all along because um, it was actually Ditto impersonating impersonating everyone. 
Yeah, so it turns out Ditto's been this agent for uh, Howard this entire time. I thought that was uh, an awesome reveal. I think I, th- I actually had no idea. That was like the that was the good like twist. Like I had that one took me by surprise. I was like, wait yeah. a minute. Uh, and then also the creepy eyes, like when you see like yeah. the different humans with the eyes. Um, it was like, oh, it was like this kind of mass. Like it kind of spooked me. I was like, holy fuck! And like, it, and the Ditto reveal reminds me of the reveal that Christopher Lloyd's character, who is the villain in Roger Rabbit, that he is a tune. It reminded me of that where you're like, oh my God, this character who I thought was human is actually not. Yeah. And it also like, you know, makes, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Again, why everyone's wearing sunglasses. And also you reveals like when Mewtwo was captured, that it was actually Ditto or like a genetically modified Ditto that like was responsible for that yeah, capture. I, I assume this is a genetically modified Ditto because normally Ditto has to, has to be in the, the vicinity of the other Pokemon for it to transform. Um, but again, this is a movie and I can accept it because it's a really cool set piece. Everything involving Ditto from this point onwards is awesome. I think he, he, it's a fun henchman. Yeah. This one is like a, yeah, it's, it's also like, you just don't expect Ditto to like play this kind of role in this world or in this movie. (laughs) And so it's such a clever way of like, okay, this is like a shape. It's a clever way of featuring some shape shifting. So like they get the shape shifting and then, uh, you know, that shape shifts to like, Oh, that's where it reveals. It shapeshifts at one point to Lucy, yeah, and then the Lucy, and then and it's like I can punch the woman that I'm very attracted to, <laughs> yeah. which is again sets this thing up that they're like, oh, there'll be this relationship at the end. No, no, remember there's no kissing. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's kiss-free to- zone. Kiss-free. This is, that movie is a kiss-free zone. You know what? Ash almost had a kiss with the lead girl from uh, Pokemon X and Y, but they cut away from that too. So I don't know. No, no fucking in Pokemon. What can I say? um so yeah uh what what was it yeah we have this like ditto sequence of like ditto transforming between people and pokemon it's just a really fun action sequence i really do like he transforms into charizard at one point he transforms into a machamp he transforms into pretty much every prominent pokemon we saw throughout this movie yeah at the same time uh this is happening there's chaos in the parade as people are turning into their pokemon these are breathing in this uh um in this i guess this compound and at this also concurrently uh pikachu having realized that he made a huge mistake because he pushes away um tim at a certain point he's like i i'm hurting you i can't do this when he's revealed that he's gotten part of his memory back uh from what happened with mewtwo uh he reveals like oh i need to actually be with tim and like you know pikachu kind of makes his way and ends up fighting mewtwo or sorry howard is a mewtwo yeah, we, we get a Pokemon battle. It, it's not a conventional one. But again, it, uh, you know what? I, also, again, going back to Lucy, when Lucy's like trying to like tell, tell like all these random authority figures uh, about the plan and she's totally failing. And then when the R finally gets unleashed, she's just like yelling like, everyone, everyone, cover up your cover, cover up. Don't breathe in the fumes. I'm like, you are being completely useless. Like no one can hear you. They're all like they're all screaming right now and running in opposite directions and you've just like stolen a coat and you couldn't get into like like that's the thing that's like at one point she goes to try to talk to the mayor a character that was never introduced before this moment uh but the yet detective uh yashida is there and it's like man if there was just a sequence where detective yashida had um had just like it been introduced to Lucy. Like it would have just helped just a little bit more than it was. 
uh, uh, Detective Yoshida, again, he's terrible at his job. He's useless. His snubble doesn't have a single action scene. He gets turned into his snubble because, again, he's useless. Um, I hope Ken Watanabe picked up a nice paycheck and didn't spend too many days on set. I hope they, I hope they work their schedule around him. Yeah, like it just, it's one of those things where it's, he must have been paid a good chunk of money, and he was like, yeah, I'll do this for a week. Um, and then what's next? So, yeah, we, ha- we have this P- uh, Pikachu trying to fight uh, Mewtwo. I like the fact that like, Pikachu at one point is like flying on, uh, I believe, Pidgeot um, to kind of have this confrontation. And the whole thing has basically been the fact that Pikachu can't use ele- his electricity, but he finally, he finally gets it up. He finally, he finally gets that tail lighting up. Yeah, well, before he kind of, when he's uh, splitting waves with Tim, he, um, he initially, like, uses a little bit of a zap, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like he's actually controlling that. That was just something yeah. that just happened in a moment of, like, sadness and frustration. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, again, Pikachu, he's, I mean, is there anything specific in the confrontation with Mewtwo uh, and Pikachu that, you, that stood out to you? I can't even remember, even though I just watched this movie two hours ago. Uh, no, there wasn't. I mean, there, there's a line about like, I was, I was the distraction because it turns out the Neuralink yeah. is, um, you know, it's only temporary and can be removed. Um, and also, sorry, at the same time this is happening. Yeah. Um, Tim's being fucked up by the ditto and he's like, at a certain point he's like knocked over like the edge and he's like grasping onto the side of the building. Yeah. And I love that. Um, we get oh, the callback. With um, is it Cubone? Is yeah, that it turns, yeah. The Ditto turns into Cubone. Is like uh, and then it's like knocking his fingers one at a time as a Cubone. I thought that was a funny gag. This Ditto is sadistic. It enjoys the the kill. Uh, but then thankfully, uh, Roger Roger saves uh, Tim. But then he gets knocked out by another Ditto form. Yeah, there was this like audible like mo- like he hits his head on like a bowling ball, and like there's like this audible like ting like just as it happens. And I was like, oh, there was a sound designer that was having fun that day, and I can't believe it made it into the final cut because um, it is like a very audible like cartoonishly like like yeah. almost hit of the triangle when his yeah Ro- roger seemingly knocks out ditto but sadly ditto can transform so he just transforms into a bird uh and comes straight back and and knocks roger out um but then thankfully there's a bunch of leftover r and i do like the way that tim takes down ditto finally where he just kind of gives him an r overdose and you you just kind of see ditto just like kind of going through all his various forms until he finally melts yeah, that was a good. I mean, I, it's almost sad that you know, uh, uh, Ditto had to sure Ditto had, had to die, but at the same time, this was a monster, and it needed to it needed to melt. This this was a very overpowered Ditto. Um, yeah, this this Ditto was In, too good for this world. Yeah, so you know, so he goes away, and then uh, at a certain point, um, oh yeah, so Pikachu uh, during the fight. There's the Neuralink, and then the Pikachu. Uh, Tim manages to rip the Neuralink um, off of Howard's head. Howard returns to himself, which poses a lot of questions in terms of like how sustainable. Like, if he's trying to evolve into this next thing, like you can't just be neural Neuralinked to Mewtwo all of his life because he'll die eventually. Um, Listen, I think I think Howard. He's he's a little wacky. <laughs> He yeah, didn't, he didn't think this plan uh, through. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't like a big plan, and then um, a good plan rather. And uh, yeah, Pikachu and Mewtwo are like falling to the ground, and you think, "Oh no, Pikachu's dead!" But of course, he's not Mewtwo. dead. Mewtwo saved. Uh, he's saved by Mewtwo, and Mewtwo basically is like 
thank you for your service and kind of he very much is and he and Mewtwo just hand waves the entire thing and restores people back to normal because Mewtwo has the vague Mewtwo has the Vegas power set in the world of Pokemon. He's not quite God, but he can pretty much just do whatever the story demands. Yeah, it's like, okay, I'm just going to reverse everything. It's like by like half an hour. <laughs> like that's what I, happened. I, I can heal people. I can restore their memories. I can restore, I can split people and Pokemon from each other. Um, uh, he, in the Pokemon anime, he gave all the characters amnesia so they would forget him. And also so the movie wouldn't be canon. Uh, Mewtwo has done it all. Um, yeah and it's uh, yeah by afterwards then we're uh um yeah. i guess I, I don't know like what the timeline is but like afterwards like after this chaos roger then like is on the streets and like and bumps into lucy and like it realizes lucy was the first one person to have like the hint of the story i gotta ask like if this was never addressed but like how did lucy even know that this was happening in the first place. Like I, like she seemed to have so much information and yet like, like there's no ex- explanation as to like how she got any of it to begin with. I guess she was just a whistleblower. Maybe she overheard a conversation or something. Maybe I was, they, what it would have been a hilarious twist. And I know they would never have done it, but it'd be like, Oh, Lucy is like actually Tim's half sister. What if, or no, what if this was actually the plot of Solo and it turns out Lucy was the villain all along and was just trying to do it to start her own crime gang? Oh, yeah, maybe. Like, there's always, there could have been that, but... Uh, Lucy Giovanni, or whatever. No, I'm but... Giovanni's daughter of Team Rocket. Uh, yeah, no, this no. movie has no sequel hints, actually. Yeah, this one, like, actually is, yeah, perfectly wrapped up. They're just like, yeah, if this is a one-off, then we, which are, we can be fine, which is kind of surprising given, like, the franchise that this is based off of but i'll bring some points up in a second uh we're almost at our end um but yeah we finally get the most important reveal the reveal we already predicted immediately which is that pikachu was tim's dad all along and uh we get to see gray temple uh ryan reynolds in a scene oh yeah well let's i don't the thing that i think is funny is that like at the car accident you two essentially absorbs yeah tim's how, how did that even body and then like and then at this point and then also pikachu and then put and i assume pikachu's conscience puts tim's conscience into pikachu and then like at a certain point like has now reversed it because like yeah we see this in the final scene uh lucy gets hired as a full-time reporter by roger so she gets what she wants and uh tim and harry get to finally unite or reunite as father and son yeah, um, I liked it. I thought I I believed it. Um, again, it's it's weird just seeing Ryan Reynolds trying to play even older than what he actually is. Yeah, like I mean, I I don't. I mean, he is of the age where it's like, yeah, he could have a twenty-one-year-old son. They gave right? him gray temples to make him appear older. Clearly, but they clearly wanted him to be like fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe and I assume Ryan Reynolds is probably closer to fifty than we all of us realize right now. Pro- probably. Um, well, he's 44. He's only 44. So Yeah, but, you know, you put some gray temples on and boom. Yeah, mm-hmm. he based him. And he's uh, wearing glasses, too. I mean, at the time of they filmed this, he was probably 42. So, yeah. Gray yeah. temples. You know, so he... <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Kind of doesn't, uh, but who knows. And, um, yeah, so then they get that, and he's going to... His son's going to go back to leaving town. Except but once you leave town... 
you don't come back to town. So, so you know what though? He he throws the ticket in the garbage or whatever, and he's like, you know what? Or does he throw it in the garbage or he puts it away? Something like that. I think he throws it in the garbage, is, which is a waste of money, man. Gotta get those fucking tickets refunded, man. God, how how rich is how rich is your dad? Uh, well, he, he's been holding onto this ticket for years, it seems. So, uh, that's a whole nother thing. Um, so, so yeah, he he's like, you know what? I'm, th- I'm thinking of becoming a detective, dad. And that's how that's how Tim's arc ends. He he reunites with his dad. He's gonna become a detective. Um, Lucy's got promoted, and she's gonna you know do a well. She's gonna do a bit of fake news about how Roger saved it all. But you know, she's, yeah, she's essentially gonna become like an Anderson Cooper type. It seems like I mean, she's, I'm trying to uh, or Barbara Walters or um, God, I should know more female reporters. Yeah, I'm so sorry uh, about this. I was gonna say Soledad O'Brien, but she works as a consultant now. I follow her on Twitter. She'll become the the this world's Ariana Huffington. Yeah, but but right now she's working with the media companies and she's not gonna tell the full truth, which is a very very depressing uh, message for a kids movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's she's I, I now think- becoming. Uh, uh who is it uh, not lauren ingram uh um, no, she's not lauren ingram bad but she, i mean she's becoming a traditional who, CNN correspondent she's just you know telling what the government wants you to know or whatever yeah who's the other one uh the other the one who tr- was on like nbc for a while um who's like now oh, yeah it doesn't matter she's gonna she'll be very successful uh and she'll have a life that probably doesn't involve him uh yeah no i i mean i'm not sure so yeah, that, that's the thing about this movie. This movie was successful. Uh, it grossed 430 million. It cost 150 million. Um, it came out like a month after Shazam, which which made less than this movie, but about when you factor in budget, it made about the same. Uh, so I'm not sure who's in control of the sequel. I, I think it's Legendary who did say before this movie came out they they did want to make a sequel. It doesn't. They there hasn't been any movement. I mean, Shazam has already shown movement. Uh, they've been talking about that movie for a while. But I think also another factor is the fact that the Pokemon company probably took a sizable cut of the profits. Um, I know Sonic made less in this movie too, but Sonic again was also cheaper. I'm not sure if Sega gave too much of a shit about money. I, I definitely know the Pokemon company. They're probably the ones who are, who are definitely giving the studios uh, shit when it comes to profits. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think it'll be a matter of if Pokemon, the Pokemon company wants to do more. Yeah. I'm sure, like, the studios, like, I'm sure if they, this uh, was to be put into turnaround, um, that uh, Netflix or one of the streamers would probably hop on to be like, all right, we'll take this over. Because it is, Pokemon is uh, more ripe for more live action uh, takes, and the fact that, like, this is the first one, like, I don't think this is the last time we're going to see yeah. live action. And I think even though we've got issues with the movie, like I say, I, uh, I mean, what would you, what would you give your grade? I, I, I'm being generous. I really enjoyed this movie at this time, so I'm going to give it a B plus. I'm going to give this a C plus. I, I think there's some fun moments, but like, I don't think it, like, it doesn't really know what it wants to be. It's very like scatterbrained. Uh, it's like not a cringe watch, so you're not like, oh god, what are they doing? But it's like also not overly what should we call it like it's not like it's it's not overly great so yeah it's it's good not great i mean like and for me that's kind of where it's <laughs> maybe i'm too like and bad. like i said uh, i've said before i don't know who this was for like i don't really like like sometimes you ask that afterwards you're like i don't know who this was for um 
And I, I think they just missed an opportunity to potentially build out a cinematic world, um, a cinematic universe, if you will, with this. Like, I think they had, they could have started up a, basically an Avengers for Pokemon, in my opinion, but they just didn't for some reason. Yeah, I don't they, know why. Again, I, I get why they did it. We already kind of went into our explanation. They wanted to kind of go small scale, just be like, focus on the human element. But again, I mean... Detective Pikachu was a weird choice, but that being said, I think the movie is far better than it had any right to be. It, it is nowhere... I mean, I watched Sonic, and that movie is competent, but just bland as hell. Um, I, I would much rather have more Detective Pikachus than Sonic. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I agree with that. It's like reaching for the top, it, and it may, might, might not reach quite the highs it could have. And definitely by the standards of video game movie, I think it's arguably the best... I don't even think it's a, a conversation. This movie, The fact that this movie is competent and mostly coherent makes the best video game movie ever made yeah no like this is it's weird to say that like that this is probably one of the best video game movies ever made i've never seen any of the resident evils so i can't really comment there but i but it's definitely better than anything ui bull has ever produced and he was the king of video game movies for i mean for years mortal kombat maybe the first mortal kombat which was done by the guy who later did the resident evil movies uh paul ws anderson but I, but I think this is just, this is the most coherent and like, like I said, I, you know, it's interesting. Like when like say Marvel set out to make the Avengers world, they really only started with, a, you know, with Iron Man. Like Iron Man is like a pretty solid standalone movie and you don't watch that thinking, oh, there's going to be this bigger world, but yet it just has just enough kernels to it that you go, oh, okay, there's something that could be a play here if they wanted to, to. And I felt like they could have done something similar here and they just for whatever reason, just decided not to. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, fe- I'm feeling nice to this movie. Um, but anyways, uh, actually, before we get into the, our favorite sequence, what what's your pitch? Because you, you said you had a couple pitches. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, like, it's interesting. I remember um, there's, there's this part of me that, like, as you talk about the horror element, like, I was thinking about, like, Brightburn. And um, who, if anyone doesn't know, that's like the horror retelling of the Superman origin. Um, and I feel like there could have been like, maybe this is now just me talking, but like, if you're going into the, the world of Detective Pikachu, I think they really should have leaned in more onto like an actual detective story. Like, this is not a detective story. This is like, this is not like, they don't really go out, like they are kind of trying to solve a mystery, but like, again, it's this thing that keeps falling into their laps. There's, there's not really any like, all the obstacles they face are very much like not about like this villain scheming to like make sure they don't find what they want to find. It's just that they happen to like bump into things and to people. Like honestly, what I wanted to see was an Ash Ketchum film. Like I think what you need to, to see is like an, almost an ET. Like if you wanted it to be more for kids, you needed like an ET story where there's like an older Ash character who's the father and you've got like the younger Ash character who's our way in, who's like 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's like trying to start the, it's like that, I, the element of like, you're about, you're at that age where you're, yeah, you're like, you said it earlier in this podcast, you're about to lose your interest in Pokemon. You're getting a little older. Like this feels like a kid's thing, but then there's also that pull of like, but it's something I love and you could make a career out of it. And like, you can have it, you know, centered around Pikachu and like, you know, and make it more of a, I think it should have been an adventure film, right? Like make it this like grand adventure where it's like, you know, father and son, you know, have to go out and like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I guess I'm kind of, I wish I I had a better 
uh, a pitch right now because I don't know a lot of the Pokemon, but yeah. I wanted I wanted to see like some maybe some of an actual tournament. I wanted to see more of like I want you know where they actually have to use the Pokeballs, make those matter because they they don't matter in this world. They don't have it like you know it's not like this Pikachu was caught by uh, Tim and like Tim and this Pikachu. It just turns out he's just been with his father this whole time, um, and it's actually his father's Pokemon. Uh, so he's still left alone at the end of the movie. And so, yeah, I wanted to see, yeah, something that was, you could have made it even, uh, I'm just rambling now, but yeah, like, could have been a bit of like a road trip. I don't know. We could cut this part out of the podcast, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. Um, I, so, yeah, my, my idea, and I, I've talked with you about this before through text over like the year or so. I, I want to see the Pokemon version of Rocky. I think the way you do it is you structure it like a sports movie. So again, there are like Pokemon tournaments and stuff and you effectively, and the other thing too is I realized that I had this epiphany today where, where Pokemon, there, there's also a format in Pokemon called double battles. Um, sometimes it's just a trainer and their two Pokemon at the same time versus another trainer and their two Pokemon at the same time. But also it could be another trainer and their partner trainer and their own Pokemon, which means it could be like, you know, two, two friends or, you know, two opposites or something trying to, you know, form a team in a tournament or, or whatever and try, you know, developing teamwork between not only the trainers, the tr- between the trainers and the trainers' Pokemon. And also I think, like, this movie has a lot of Pokemon, but maybe, hype, maybe, just maybe, there should be less Pokemon in the next movie, but more developed. So you don't necessarily need to have a ton of Pokemon in the background, but every time you see a Pokemon, it matters. So let's say trainer A and his three Pokemon and trainer B and their three Pokemon – one of one of the Pokemon is two of the Pokemon are the main Pokemon of the partners. The other Pokemon is the silly Pokemon that farts a lot. The other one is the weird random one. Then there's the you know shitty one that turns into a badass at the very end of the movie. And you kind of you kind of center it like that, if you know what I mean. No, that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah, like I like this. Uh, it should have been a sports movie. That's like actually a really great like analogy for a pokemon film because it that is what it is right it's like that's cool. like the part of the a part of the appeal of it is the you know is the arena battles um and like the fact that it is this like in the most of the outside of rhyme city that this is like a sport like people like you can become you know world renowned for like how good of a trainer you are and the and the other thing too i was thinking of is to be fair in pokemon games the the idea of the pokemon league is never enough to sustain a story the Pokemon League always, <laughs> right before the final Pokemon battle with the champion happens, there is always an event caused by the evil team or the evil mastermind. So you have that as like the B plot effectively, which is like, oh, Team Rocket is secretly using this champion, secretly been funding this uh, stadium as an effort to steal everyone's Pokemon. So you have that big sequence. And then the final match between the two partners and the the top two gym leaders or or elite four in the world you know what i mean i mean I'm, yeah. I'm not a screenwriter i'm not gonna get paid to write this movie but i think i think you could do a conventional pokemon battling movie you don't need to have it be about like this character has to acquire all eight gyms you could just center it around a simple tournament and the thing about pokemon is these pokemon are extraordinarily powerful take advantage of the fact that these pokemon control the fucking elements like you can have really cool set pieces and like, yeah, let's see a Blastoise versus a Charizard and them going at it. It doesn't have to be like gory, but these, these characters are powerful. We saw that in the, um, the Dynamax battle with Leon and uh, Lance in the cartoon. Um, yeah. These things are powerful creatures. 
Yeah, like you can use like them as for these kind of interesting set pieces. And yeah, and that's a way of like also you if you did it, framed it as a sports movie, you could like, you know, if you're uh, putting the producer cap on, reduce the budget. If you're like worried about like taking this kind of creative risk. I think my uh if I go back to my pitch a little bit yeah. is would be like probably to do with the fossils more. Like I I think like just thinking back on like the the whole missing like museum and like you know having that father son who it's end up like discovering a pokemon or like fossils they weren't supposed to discover and then they have to go on the run such an adventure with like team rocket um coming after them trying to stop them because now they know too much or whatever yeah it's it's an inch it's a way they could do it and i think it could still do it in like the span of an hour and 45 minutes i think it's possible I think we probably will get another Pokemon movie eventually. I mean, listen, Legendary hasn't exactly had the easiest go of it. Um, Godzilla, King of the Monsters came out a couple months before Detective Pikachu, and they lost a shit ton of money on that. And um, they still have another Godzilla movie coming afterwards. They keep don't, it seems like they don't want it to come out because it got pushed again, and then COVID pushed it. Godzilla versus King Kong, that... Yeah, uh, and apparently there were a bunch of rewrites just in light of Godzilla, King of the Monsters bombing. So listen, I think... I Mon- think- Monsterverse is not a thing that really should exist. I know they're trying to make it exist. It's just... It's not all not all movie... Like, not all uh, movie franchises need to be universes. It's just... Listen, there was a good Godzilla movie, but guess what? It was Japanese, and it came out a couple years ago. It's called Shin Godzilla. Maybe we'll cover it just for fun. Uh, no. There are there are good there are good Godzilla movies. Maybe it just doesn't have to be what... The Host? I mean, The Host is oh, incredible. Oh, yeah, The Host. Well, that's Bong Joon-ho, so that's a whole other level. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, you know... That, that's my take. Anyways, uh, to cap this podcast off, and I think we already kind of know the answers, um, who is our REO Speedwagon of this thing? And uh, let me just... Speedwagon! 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 Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert EO Speedwagon. So yeah, my uh, Robert EO Speedwagon, my human, uh, as as you already probably implied, is Jack. Uh, Jack is the perfect Speedwagon. He's an awesome supporting character who then completely disappears. I, I, I hope Jack appears in the sequel. Even if Tim isn't in the sequel, maybe Jack is a supporting character that ties the two movies together. I'd like that. I mean, Karen Sony... Or- Karan Sony, fuck, I really hope I, I'm sorry if I butchered that name. Uh, you know, he's becoming more of a bigger actor. Um, I just watched him in this uh, sketch show on Netflix called Auntie Donna's, um, what is it? It's Auntie Donna's, um, a- oh, sorry, it's Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun where he plays Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, interesting. What? <laughs> it's a really absurd sketch show. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. I, I think that's a pretty good pick. I actually, I can't argue too much with them, but I'm going to pick someone else. Uh, I, my REO Speedwagon of this, uh, um, of this episode is uh, Roger Clifford. I really oh. liked, I mean, I'm a, I, I said it earlier, I'm a huge fan of You're the Worst. Chris Gere was uh, the lead of that show alongside Aya Cash. And uh, I think he, I thought he was just like, I like the the twist at the end that he was actually kind of a good guy and like that he wasn't this shitty son. I felt like he didn't get enough. And I do want to see this, like almost this, I wish there are deleted scenes of like this almost succession 
world where that he's in in this pokemon world where he's got to deal with his megalomaniac uh father who's trying to you know become a pokemon himself yeah, I I want to see po- I want to see so many different Pokemon spinoffs. I want to see Pokemon Succession, uh, for sure. I want to see Damon Lindelof's existential take about Mewtwo and what it means to be alive, like Mewtwo and the Mythicals. Oh, that would be so good. It's like what? Oh man, there, there's so many takes. Uh, I want to see a Team Rocket um, Soprano style um, thing because also there's so many evil teams because every generation has their own evil teams. Um, there's Team Aqua and Team Magma. Uh, Team Team Magma wants to uh, create landmass using the power of this legendary Pokemon called Groudon, and um, <laughs> Team Aqua is their rivals, and they want to submerge the world like Atlantis and using the power of a water Pokemon called Kyogre. Oh. So it's so complicated. There, and I want to see a disaster movie. I want to see a disaster movie about just like the most all these legendary Pokemon being unleashed and inflicting like a disaster where these characters have to survive like um yeah 2012 or something yeah I'd, I'd love to see um i also love to see a like um almost like stone age, or, or just like uh around like uh almost uh, i guess an ice age uh a darker ice age with like when the those you know those first pokemon uh become fossils <laughs> like become extinct and like that kind of what the world was like back then or like a period piece of like what would it be like to have Pokemon in like ancient Rome or like ancient Egypt? Cause they kind of imply that in this movie, um, uh, obviously just a horror film where, you know, you see like yeah. one of the Pokemon that's like Gengar, Gengar in the ghost house. Yeah. Gengar in the ghost house. And then also like, I'd love to just see like a like slapstick comedy with Mr. Mime as the lead. <laughs> like, just like this, like kind of crazy, like almost sitcom like, and I think you could do all that. Like, that's the one thing that like, if you wanted to compare Pokemon world to like Marvel is that Marvel starting to branch out with the kinds of subgenres it's playing with, with its characters. And like, you can totally do that in Pokemon. And I just feel like, again, everyone's trying to chase this dragon of like, we'll get our own superhero world, but it's like, you have something like Pokemon sitting right there. You could be like, you could just be succeeding there and you're just not. You could make a billion, you could make the most expensive movie ever made with just like six months income from Pokemon go. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, speaking of speed wagons, because uh, we kind of jumped ahead to Pokemon spinoffs, um, who is the Pokemon speed wagon for you? Speed wagon, 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 speed wagon. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert EO Speedwagon. I'll say mine. It was kind of clear. I really like Ludicolo. He's one of my favorite Pokemon. He's got the sombrero. Um, but maybe a close second would be Bulbasaur because he was absolutely adorable. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Those are my two. I, I can't think of anything more. Maybe on our next episode, I'll, I'll, I'll find another one. But yeah, those are my two. Ludicolo and Bulbasaur. What about you, Malcolm? I think for me, I mean, I've already kind of said it. I really loved Mr. Mime. I know he had his uh, more... The, one of the longer scenes for Pokemon, yeah. but like there was just so much to like about it. I just like, that was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. And then uh, for a more minor character, um, I really like Cubone. I mean, you have to- Cubone was hilarious. I think he was hilarious. Obviously crying in the field, you feel really bad for him. And then he kind of gets 
captured, but it's like a failed capture. And then even at the, with even as ditto as Cubone, and him just like hitting Tim's fingers. Actually, I'm, uh, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change my mind. Ditto is MVP. Ditto is a speed wagon because he only has like one scene. I, he's implied in other scenes, but Ditto, Ditto created an uh, an incredible set piece in general. Yeah, that was a good. Like that was a pretty inventive one so i gotta give my hand up to whichever screenwriters came up with that because yeah there's so many of them that I maybe don't it was todd with. mccarthy maybe todd mccarthy is just ob- obsessed with ditto <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, he, he wants to do the ditto version of spotlight where ditto is like um keeping an eye on the pokemon church and he leaks out secrets um i want to see rock ruffalo um be a ditto and say they knew <laughs> uh, maybe Anyways, yeah, final thoughts on this movie. I guess we already gave our grade. Uh, I think it's like, I think it's a fun movie. I'm giving it a B plus for now. I think because my expectations were lowered and I just watched it as a movie without the expectation of it saving gay movies. I think it's, I think it's a solid movie for what it is. It doesn't waste your time. It's an hour and 45 minutes and it's got some cool set pieces. Um, yeah, mine, I gave it a C plus, as I said before. I think it's a little schizophrenic. It doesn't have... Um, doesn't really know what it wants to be. It's one of those things where there's not really a, an overarching vision and you can really tell that there's a lot of screenwriters kind of battling for what the tone of this film is. And uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Justice Smith, even though I think he's a really great actor. I just think he was not the right, uh, it doesn't fit this role in particular. Um, but I really enjoyed uh, Catherine Newton's over-the-top performances. Whatever she, was, whatever she was doing in that movie. Whatever, yeah, whatever. I don't know how much cocaine she snorted before every scene, but it worked, um, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, like, I, I didn't, like, was never bored watching it, but it was not a film I was going to seek out on fair, my own. Fair enough. Anyways, uh, for those listeners, this was our longest podcast by a mile. Um, we're nearly approaching the three hour mark and I'm not going to edit it at all. Oh um, my God. This so, is beating our, uh, dude, Jojo's bizarre adventure. This is joking. And our Jojo's bizarre adventure when you factor in edits, which I just did, uh, was only an hour and 45. So this is being it by uh, an hour. Um, my mouth is very dry. I need a glass of water. Anyways. Um, in case, uh, you didn't listen to our previous episode, I, I will now announce the next thing we are covering it is not an anime. It is a manga. We are covering the first three volumes. It's approximately 40 issues of Pokemon Adventures. Um, it is twice the length of Watchmen. I can assure you, you will finish it sooner than uh, Watchmen because it is a, a comic made for children. But it's a really cool comic. Um, and in fact, the creator of Pokemon, Sajoshi Shigiri, said this is how he pictured the Pokemon world. Not the anime, he pictured it the, the way this manga covers the world. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really exciting episode. If 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 you're still listening to this, yeah, it sounds good. I mean, I, it's always fun to uh, read, and I like to read. So, um, I mean, I've never read a, a manga before, so this will be my first time. All right, and uh, thank you, folks, for for enjoying this thorough thorough deconstruction. There will never be a podcast that covers this movie more thoroughly than us. <laughs> Yeah, so if you enjoyed it, please, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, like our, um, like and subscribe where you find podcasts. Uh, leave a review to tell uh, tell your friends about this, uh, and I hope you have a great day. We are on Is This Anime Pod on Twitter and Insta. Thank you, folks, for listening. <laughs>